This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Next Lander podcast. Here we go. Is this, uh, are we in episode 100-ish? The you know? 100- I yeah. think we are. Is this the 100? You're, you're beautiful, Nextlander podcast. You're 100 and, and, and doing great. And don't look at day over 98. Technically, uh, it was last uh, week. Shh, don't, we don't, don't, we don't, don't do, do that, that around we don't, here. We don't, we don't acknowledge we episode don't. zeros around here. Hey, episode zero is basically like the day you're born. You're not one years old yet. It's the span between zero and one, right? So it's like... Mm-hmm. It's the it's the it's the announcement. Hey, we've had a podcast, and then you celebrate the first birthday, and so on and so forth. You you know, this podcast is a centenarian. Then, is that what you're saying? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, congratulations. Okay. You Hot damn. This podcast will never retire. Uh, and also, uh, sorry, podcast. There's no social security for you. Um, <laughs> naturally, naturally. 
Uh, congratulations to everybody who's been here for, you know, a hundred or let's even say 100 plus, uh, episodes. Thank you very much for hanging out. Is that what out. you do when someone has been listening to a podcast for a long time? <laughs> you congratulate them? Yeah. Well, I say thank you and congratulations right. and thank you for listening. Uh, it's been fantastic. A hell of a ride. You know, this was our first podcasting endeavor and we really weren't sure yeah. how it would all go. We weren't sure it was um, going to take. Just sat there for like 15 years watching... <laughs> The podcast world pass us by, uh-huh. and finally, you know, it's time to take the leap. You know, what if people we, seem to be doing well with this thing? What if we took a video game uh, and talked about it, and sometimes got stuff right, and sometimes got it wrong, and basically just kind of rapped about stuff for a while? And, uh, you know, here we are. One thing uh, I've learned about podcasts is the first time you get something wrong, that's it. You're done. You're, you're out. Uh, immediately, they take away your podcasting microphone. Sticklers and- for accuracy. That's right. Can't get anything wrong. Uh, Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. Happy 100. Happy 100. Happy 100. Um, Celebrating with a LaCroix, I see. (laughs) Yes. Only the finest peach pear seltzer for me. Wow. Really, really don't go to bananas here. We still have a podcast to do, okay? Do they they make a banana LaCroix? You know, I bet they do. I've never seen it, but I bet they do. I, I don't think they do. Not yet. In fact, I have immediately landed on a change.org petition. Oh, no. Demanding a banana flavor. Uh, <sighs> this petition had 10 supporters. Okay. Uh, was that was one of the usernames like uh, uh, Banana Man? Remember Banana mm, Man? I do. Ba- banana, banana Man. man. Well, I watched a lot of Danger Mouse as a child. Yeah. So, yes, I remember Banana Man fairly vividly. Uh. Yeah, not to date ourselves, but no, we we do that every single week, man. We might as well oh, keep, the, right. keep this rolling. Yes. Yeah, he's got the like the, the globe logo, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he's no Count Duckula, but he was fine. Nobody is. No. Who do you think owns those rights? I think um, they're on the uh, the auction. Somebody block? British. Danger Mouse. Yeah, who, who's got Danger Mouse, Count Duckula, Banana Man? Well, so they did a Danger Mouse reboot some years ago on British television. Okay. Uh, they did a cartoon reboot, so I assume it's whatever channel was running that owns. I mean, it was Cosgrove or something was the animation <laughs> studio that made those. <laughs> it sounds very English to me, yeah. but sure. Yeah. Uh, who can, who can, who can reproduce the danger mouse theme on command? Uh, he's amazing. He's, the he's, he's, he's fantastic. An- he's a, he's whenever there is danger, he'll be there. Whenever there's danger trouble. Danger mouse. Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse. So it's pretty good, but it's no Count Duckula theme. Let me tell you right now, that shit was funky as hell. Count Duckula was kind of funky. Yeah. I mean, he's a vampire duck. I mean, who drank vegetable juice? Oh, yeah. Like, was into vegetables. You see, he was resurrected using ketchup accidentally. That's why it all went bad. Oh yeah. yeah, and then he went but, on adventures. That's you know, dude. If I if I had to subsist entirely on ketchup, I would stake myself. Uh, oh, I don't mind, not I don't mind ketchup. I mean, I wouldn't want to eat it all the time, but I mm, ketchup ketchup is no good. Have a mustard. I mean, I, I don't hate ketchup. I just avoid it. Oh man, all right. Uh, I'm not mustard. You know, I'll, mustard, I will take in all of its forms. Yeah, I'll fuck I, up a mustard any time. Uh, I have segued kind of away from ketchup. But more into mustards, I will say. I've moved. I've moved. Well, there off is a greater variety there. Yeah, and hot sauces. I've, I guess I've kind of replaced ketchups with hot sauces on a lot of foods. Like, 
I was never a big ketchup on eggs person, but um, I'll put some hot sauce on some eggs. Mm-hmm. And on hot dogs and sausages, I will put hot sauce where maybe once I put ketchup. So, okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I will say the what was the classic American yellow mustard. Is that like the French's? Is that the yeah? Brand? Like a deli? Is that a deli mustard? That's a yellow, and then a deli is kind of seedier, right? Like a, yeah, it's like of, the slightly browner. You know, yeah. sometimes slightly thicker. Yeah, kind French's of, sounds right. I kind of avoid the classic yellow on anything, but hot dogs and hamburgers generally. Sure. It's where they. Like, it's where that belongs. Yeah, it's yeah. like barbecue. But, it's like a barbecue picnic ketchup or mustard. I I will drink a jar of Grey Poupon. Whoa. I, I don't want you to. I'm not going to make you do that. Okay. Well, I'm not saying... I, I won't, actually. Okay. What was but the, I love that stuff. What was the point of the Grey Poupon ads? Was it like fancy people use the Grey Poupon? Or? I, I have thought long and hard about that situation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because remember, remember the fake scandal around Obama eating fancy brown mustard? No. I, I, that must have been in a part that of was my so, brain. I had somewhere in the middle go. of the tan suit scandal? I can't it was, remember. It was... It was like early Obama era when cable news was just desperate to find anything to lambast him for. Uh huh. And they got mad that he was not eating the classic American mustard. Is that the French's? He was he was having like a right. Okay. I, I don't I don't know if it was Grey Poupon specifically. It was just it was some kind of brown mustard okay. that he. Oh, you mean the mustard they serve in every goddamn delicatessen in on the goddamn planet? So the reason I've been thinking about that, A, I've been eating a lot of Grey Poupon, but B, it has to be those commercials, right? It has to be those 80s commercials of people in limousines eating Grey Poupon, which you can get at any American grocery store for $4. It's literally cheaper than most of the other mustards on the shelf. Like, it's everywhere and it's cheap, but I guarantee you a bunch mm-hmm. of people internalize those fucking commercials. Yep. Showing people in limousines and Rolls Royces eating that mustard, and think it's creating fancy a mustard. brand image, uh, and got genuinely mad about it. I, I wonder if that ad house was like, hey, we have this brand name. It sounds too fancy for Americans. Let's lean into it. I don't even know if it is not American. Is it, it could be an American brand. I don't even know. But like, let's lean into this thing because we're we're not going to muscle our way into the French's of the world or whatever who else is doing mustard. Ed agency struck gold. They killed it, uh, and then a bunch of fancy people, uh, or would be fancy people, started putting Grey Poupon. Okay, and stuff. so Grey uh, Poupon. Just to give you the very brief history, please. This do. is what you come to this, this podcast. One hundred and going strong, folks. Uh, it is a French origin. Okay, uh, it, was made in, it is literally made in Dijon, France. Oh, okay, I love a Dijon mustard. Yes, but but. Bought by Kraft Foods in uh-huh. the 1970s. Yep, that's what I was <laughs> waiting to get to. Okay. Yes. It, is, it is owned by Kraft Heinz, makers of A1 Sauce and Miracle Whip. Prior, Love it. Prior, and <laughs> Okay, but prior to being bought by Kraft, it existed since 1866. Wow. wow. Okay. That's Oscar Mayer. They own Oscar... Craft, I think Kraft also makes, like, missiles and stuff. Kraft kind of owns everything. Well, yeah. Kraft, Mustard Kraft. missiles. <laughs> I've been called worse. Uh, Kraft is huge. Yes. Uh, There there are are 10 companies in the world. They're one of them. Companies. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yes. Yeah. Kraft is like probably owns Boeing in some way. And they're like, uh, you know, ah, you know, the cheese business is down, but man, are we selling missiles? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, in the the coming corpo wars, if we have to pick a benefactor with whom to align. uh Uh-huh. Kraft? Kraft Heinz, if you're listening, if you want to pick up a podcast on the cheap, let us know. I want to be paid. Uh, I want my 
chips or my creds to come individually wrapped in a little bit of cellophane when I get it uh, to be like, here are your five uh, creds today. Mm-hmm. I, would, I, would, I would rather... I would rather join Jello and Corn Nuts in the Kraft Heinz family than I would, let's say, Lockheed Martin. It's not going to be a choice. They'll buy Lockheed Martin. You'll be okay. Yeah. Lockheed Martin is. Are they the top of their uh, pun intended? It's like food them chain? and Raytheon, I think. I thought somebody owned Lockheed Martin. Uh, is um, it Grumman Lockheed Martin? Or are they like? Did they swallow uh, each was other? It North Northrop Grumman, I believe, is the is the one you're thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Right. I believe that is a separate company. Okay. How did so, we get from mustard to this? How did we do uh, this? Craft, craft in the top, craft up there. Very crafty we're, of us. We're aerospace experts, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I'm uh, an aerospace expert. My old roommate used to do IT for Raytheon. I know everything about about defense contracting. I played a lot of Jane's games. <laughs> Ask me anything. Let me go get my spiral notebook. I'll tell you, tell you what's going on. Uh, that sounds like a. Uh, job you can't talk about alex did you did your no. old roommate really do that yeah, okay yeah he did that part. but i mean okay. like i don't think they let him see anything secret i think he just fixed people's stuck power buttons and made ah. sure their email worked okay tell me about the mustard missile uh we've got a bunch of games to get to uh, this week no uh zelda today uh though um we'll probably get to that next week i assume we will get to that next week that game releases on friday uh, so uh, I will say for that. yes, I was in the city yesterday. Uh-huh. My dad York, and my stepmom were city. in town. Uh-huh. New York, take it all back. New York City. Uh-huh. Damn right. Yeah. Uh, and I was taking them around and we had lunch down in the East Village. And since I was there, I did pop into video games, New York to see if they were going to break street date on Zelda. Yeah. Was there a guy with two broken thumbs that was based and a black guy basically saying like, Sorry, you can't have it. No, but I will say the way the guy said, no, we haven't gotten it in yet, had a real, there is a guy behind the curtain pointing a fucking gun with a laser sight at me right now. Like, no, but you can go to the website and sign up for the pre-order, and we will send you an email to let you know when the Zelda is in. Just fucking (laughs) Yakuza sitting uh cross-legged with a gun. Good. Good. Just cure you. You you just keep that up. (laughs) Very good. I saw. Uh, did you see? I think it was Elena Pierce on Twitter said her twi- her Twitch got banned br- briefly ooh. because she was watching somebody else's like legitimate video preview of that game. Oh my gosh! Like, like approved footage, approved by Nintendo. She was just watching. Like they're so oh very touchy. Itchy now. trigger yeah. finger on the. We are going to ban anyone that even is like glancing in the direction of that game. Ixnay on the Elder Zay. Nintendo Uh, do something horrible and draconian? No. I mean, like, taking the, like, Obuhu poor corporation out of the equation, like, it is kind of weird to think there are a bunch of people out there that I'm sure have finished that game (laughs) by now. (laughs) This is, like, one of their biggest releases of this generation of hardware. And there are who knows how many people out there that have already finished it before it's even out. I'll just add to this weird conversation and maybe in a better state than the retailer version will be in oh, easily a higher easily. frame rate and higher resolution. Uh, but we are not going to be talking about the ins and outs uh, anymore of the Zelda game. We had uh, Alex had a preview. Um, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So yes. Uh, or you can go find, like Brad said, probably somebody playing it if you really want, or wait until it comes out on Friday, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about it next week. We are going to get to uh, a couple of games here, including uh, Tape to Tape, 
touch type tail boy that is a bunch of t's in here we got some mm-hmm. alliteration golden idol mysteries uh and jedi survivor uh let's just kick it off with jedi survivor before the break here in case anybody wants is worried about spoilers i finished it i'm not going to spoil it though if there are any mechanics things uh that you're sensitive to i'll be aware i might talk about some of those but i'm not going to get into deep spoilers here Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the latest and greatest in the Star Wars Jedi franchise, the follow-up to Forgotten Order, a direct sequel to Forgotten Order. You mean Fallen Order? order? Sorry, for, did I say Forgotten Order? I think you forgot the order. I did the Forgotten Order, the Fallen or- mm. Order. The Fallen Order. What the order. Um, this game for me, this follows the tale of Cal Kestis as Cal... Five years after Fallen Order is kind of trying to take on the Empire, very quickly realizes, boy, that's like trying to uh, 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 that's hard know, shovel the drain. What's the analogy I'm looking for? Uh, use a bucket to drain the sea. I don't know something like that. Building sandcastles on the shore, having a tough time doing it. The Empire's all over the place, uh, and Cal goes on his adventure uh, A to B to C. Gets him uh, trying to trotting around. This game started off very slowly for me, and I wasn't really uh, latching onto it. Kind of a kind of like God of War. It was, you know, had kind of picked up directly from where the other game left off, and it was like I need a little bit more new here. This is there's a lot that goes into playing a new thing, and this was very. It felt eighty to ninety percent similar to the old thing, and that, mm-hmm. those are big time investment games. I don't say this a lot, so so uh, know that I do mean it. This game got better and better the closer I got to the end. Okay, the, the it, you know some games peter out, or sometimes games have this cliff where you're like, oh, I've gotten everything new, and I'm just gonna cruise through it. This game, the pacing is a little weird, but it did it did kind of move uh, and accelerate, and the story got better and better as things went uh, uh, forward. And also, the powers got better and better and more interesting as things went forward, and the traversal mechanics got better and better. So, like, I in- I much more enjoyed playing this when I finished it than when I started it. And, okay. and that's, I don't know if that's good or bad, because that means there's a long on-ramp that, you know, it takes a long time to really get to the part where... um things kicked in for me. So that being said, my instinct was, or let me set this up a bit. This game mostly takes place, I think, Brad, you mentioned this too last time we talked about it, mostly wants you to take place on uh, the big planet, uh, I want to say Cobol, but I don't know. Kobo. Kobo, thank you. Um, And that's your largest landmass. Every planet's not going to be that. Um, You'll go to- I've heard that described a little bit as sort of like the hinterlands of Dragon Age Inquisition. Like, it's a place that you do spend a lot of time in, but like, you should get out of there actually as soon as you can, because you you should get. Yes, you should get out of there as soon as you can. Uh, there's going to be, and uh, again, this isn't spoiler stuff, but this is just heads up. You're going to get stuff based on story progression that's really going to flesh out the gameplay. Okay. And until you hit those milestones, you're really going to be limited in what you can do. So taking on all of uh, uh, that that starter zone, and it's big, is kind of kind of sucks. <laughs> like, okay. You don't have the tools to necessarily do it well. You don't have the tools to do it at all sometimes. And it's just going to be more fun if you come back later, I think. Um, that being said, I did spend a decent amount of time there. 
that could have pushed me into a leveling zone where the game wasn't exceptionally difficult, though I did have a lot of challenges along the way with the main story beats. There are optional challenges in there, but with the main story stuff, um, it was, you know, challenging. I played on normal difficulty. Uh, let's say the last boss fight I had to do maybe four times, right? So, like, that's about where I, I was. They have this interesting thing. I didn't quite remember this happening as often, but maybe I didn't die as much in the first one. It's got a um, uh, kind of a Souls quality to it. This, these games are very much built, and they they kind of feel their age now a little bit because the, the game industry feels like it's moved on from Souls-like a little bit. So it has this thing where you lose your experience uh, if you die, and you have to touch or attack the last character that killed you or at least be in that zone to regain that experience. Uh, and, and get it back. Uh, but if you're fighting a boss, usually that will just be, you don't have to kill or touch the boss. It'll just be in the zone of the boss. Right. And that can lead to situations where you're taking on an optional boss, you die and your, your souls are quote unquote are in that area that you can no longer retrieve unless you want to actively fight that boss continuously. And you just have to abandon them. Not a huge deal. You kind of make up for, um, uh, those that XP because the XP bar uh, fills up and then it, it locks in a level and then so you'll have two skill points and then you're working on your third you'll only lose as much xp uh to that lock-in point so like you'll never go back and actually lose a whole point okay. so you're never really losing that much in any given situation but it's worth it to go back um a lot of fun skills you get a cal feels extremely powerful by the end which i really enjoyed um i think the story while predictable in some parts, actually takes some interesting turns towards the end. I I saw some things coming from a mile away. You probably could name them here. I don't, but you probably can sense what's going on. But that being said, actually had some surprises in store. The game okay. the game what? had a, a swerve where I thought we were done, and uh, I was like, okay, yeah, no, I saw this coming, and then went on for quite a bit longer. Hmm. What? direction is that story looking in is the question i want to ask because the first game story was very much backward looking it was just like all dealing with the fallout of events in the past mm -hmm. and now that that has all been dealt with like is this much more forward looking i mean there's also i mean there's multiple levels on which to ask this question because there's also the meta context of the larger disney Star Wars efforts and yeah. TV shows, and are they trying to tie this in? So I can and answer like, that question and, in that and context. And there's even more there, which is like, oh, these are all real actors. Hmm. I guess what people really are wondering is, is Cameron Monaghan going to show up on one of these shows sometime soon? <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, have to believe he is. Like, and, and even where this is situated in the timeline, you know, like the first game was very close to the prequels. So it was just like, hey, let's make all these story, these character stories about what happened to these characters coming out of the prequels. But now it's like closer to the original movies the empire is more entrenched i guess i'm just wondering like does this tie into the larger you know andor is in this time period as well or is this just kind of its own thing so this movie borrows heavily from everything that's out there it is uh borrowing might even be a light word i, I wouldn't call it theft because it's in the same universe but if you've seen it in a movie it's pr or a show it's probably in here somewhere mm. and in some form does it put does that go for like characters showing up? Uh, well, some, I mean, you know, some you'll, some. you'll, you'll get you know, Saul Guerrera. Okay. Uh, yeah. They, they talk about him and even in the prologue and you know, he, he was, that was actually Forrest Whitaker in the first game. Yeah. Right? So you'll, you'll, you'll get that, which is tied into the, um, what do we call the 
antecedent movie? What <laughs> is not the prequels, the follow-up movies? The- they call them the sequel trilogy. I think okay. that's fine. The sequel stuff. Are, are you talking about the originals? No. Well, I'm talking about the uh, Ray stuff. The the oh, yeah, oh okay. The- oh wait, they're huh? Wait, are they touching on that stuff? Well, that's where Saul is from, right? Or no, he's no, from, he's not. No, he's, he's from, from he's from no, Rogue he's from, One. He's from Rogue yeah. One, which is sorry is is middle <laughs> produced after the prequels, but yes. takes place before that. Sorry. Um. Uh. So the stuff it, it, I would say, and I thought about this as I was playing it. The vibe I get is a smaller story, m- much more in the universe that feels like Andor is set in. If that makes sense, okay. you're, you're dealing with an sure. entrenched empire that is kind of trying to cement its grip on planets through bureaucracy and kind of uh, um, kind of institution. You know what I mean? Instead of necess- instead of really going in there and just fighting a war, like the the empire feels like it's be- it's taken over the the bureaucracy of the republic, right? And and that's what the game kind of feels like. Mixed with the high or the fantasy of a Jedi stuff. So it's not, it's not Andor where you're like, okay, nobody hears a Jedi. This is clearly a Jedi story. It's called Jedi survivor. You're dealing a lot still with the fallout from order 66 and the kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, separate, uh, the, the kind of execution of all the Jedi and, and the order falling and all of this stuff. But you're not, you're not, going there to stop the um empire it's it, you know you're, you're, you're not, not going you're there not to, at that stage you're yet. not blowing up a death star this isn't right. like a uh oh if we do this we can um we can cripple the empire and how could you because you are in the middle of this thing that has to span 27 more franchises post this right that being said the story does touch on like i said it brings in some stuff that you're like Oh, this was this was made popular in this other series. You're going to just give that a big hug and pull that in here. Uh, this was made popular in this other series. You're just going to embrace that, and you know, um, you know, it, you, you'll it, see that stuff in there. Yeah, it, it occurs to me they also have a movie announced now that's supposed to tie a bunch of those TV shows together. Wait, so there's another Star Wars movie? You no, know, they announced a bunch of new movies, but okay. one of them, one of them is a Dave Filoni-driven like. Anybody and everybody from all these TV shows could show up in here kind of thing. Okay. So I wonder if that could also be a place for stuff from this game to land potentially. I, I've kind of lost the thread on the timeline stuff. So I don't know what is fertile ground in the universe. Uh, like, I, like how much more time do we have until um, until we start getting into episode four? Like or, uh, from from this game, still another nine ten years. So we're getting close though. There's not too much they get. They're creeping up here. on it. It's, a, it's about yeah. halfway. It's nineteen years between three and four. Okay, yeah. Which is like the most interesting period of Star Wars to tell stories about. Frankly, is the part with the oppressive military machine running everything. Yeah. So of course. You, so you you get some of this stuff, and this this story is really. Again, I'm trying to talk vague about it, vaguely about it because this game did just come out. But it is really about the fallout from the Empire and people trying to find a life um, outside of that. And, you know, that was a lot of the first game, too, right? Is look at what happened. Look at these damaged people from the uh, Empire and the war and, and the Clone War. And this is a little bit more of like people just want to get the fuck out of the grip of the Empire. And how, how, do, how do you accomplish that? Um, they're winning. They're winning, and we 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 don't know what to do. 
it's uh, it's it's interesting to hear you say that it gets a lot better as it goes along because the first problem the problem I had with the first game is that I just I never got into a great rhythm with it and it felt like it was dragging along in the in the beginning stages and I'm having a little bit of that experience with this one though it's not as bad like I'm think I'm more into what's actually taking place than I was in that first game in the gameplay as well but like I am finding myself like struggling to keep momentum with it in the early goings like you know I'm probably like a half dozen hours into it or something at this point i've gotten off that you know the the hinterland planet and have started bopping around a little more but i think i'm just kind of waiting for it to get into that next gear and it just hasn't quite done that for me yet and i'm just worried i'm not going to get there because fucking zelda's coming out <laughs> and i'm like i'm not sure i'm there with it yet do they do they do the same thing in the, as the first game where they at some point start giving you multiple different places you could go at the same time it's like hey here you've got two objectives here's two different planets you should just go do one of them Take, take your pick. They kind of do that once uh, where you have two main A plot objectives and you could go to either one and then they don't do that again. Then it's mostly side missions. You could go scoop up other places. They call them rumors. Uh, you have your hub on um, the, your main planet there uh, where you can talk to people, get side missions. There's a whole side mission bounty hunter quest that are optional bosses. But for the most part, after that initial, you could go to point A or point B. It's really, if you want to just go directly to this, the main A plot, you can just bop the planet planet. You're really just going off off world and then coming back doing a part of that. You're always coming back to that main planet to go do another part, which I opened up and explored. I spent too long exploring that place, so I had a lot of fast travel points. So as soon as I would land, fast travel to where this thing is and just go there. Um, you, It's a little Metroid-ish. You use your new ability to access this area that you couldn't access, access before. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, it moves. There's a, I'll say the game really didn't pick up for me until I got the last two stances. Uh, and then uh, I immediately refunded all the points I had put in. You could do it <laughs> once for free. Because uh, I was like, oh man, I dumped like 15 points into these three other stances that I'm never going to use again. Because um, you can only equip two at a time. And so I was like, well, these two stances, you kind of get them back to back almost. Um, I was like, these are the ones I want to use from now on. <laughs> One of them, I on principle, just kind of don't like because I never liked it when they introduced it. it it's all movie stuff or it's mostly movie stuff. Uh, and I was like, but it's my favorite stance in the game, but it's, I don't know. People could probably figure it out from what I'm talking about, but it's, uh, I was like, ah, oh, kind of hate to love this or love to hate this stance, but I, I, it's the one I use all the time. So you can refund all your points once for free, and then you have to spend a point to refund them after that. But, uh, so if constant, you're worried about it, the constant tension of this thing doesn't look cool, but it's extremely effective. Oh, like it kind of looks cool. Like, like, let's just say my feelings. If you've been listening to this podcast for a hundred episodes or plus are probably known about uh lightsaber escalation. Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of is, it deals in swims in that pool of like, you're going to bring that fucking thing in. <laughs> you're gonna, we're doing this. this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Okay, great. Uh, this game also is heavy in the customization. We talked about this before. Heavy. You're getting beards, 160,000 lightsaber parts. I'm going to call it, I'm going to say colorways. They don't call it that, but I'm going to call it that. Um, I saw I saw there's a straight up mullet. Yep. Mustaches, mm -hmm. uh, handlebar mustaches, mullets, goatees, soul patch. I think literally they call it a soul patch. Uh, you can make Cal look like a real dirtbag if you want. Um, I kind of went with 
let's just call it like Obi-Wan, like longer beard and kind of uh, swept back hair-ish. Okay. Put a cape on him for most of the game. Didn't really switch up too much. Um, it's, I didn't get too deep into the customization. I found, uh, it feels very perfunctory. Like it's, it's there because yeah. someone told them that that's what people like in video games. But Cal just does not feel like a character that like really warrants that kind of customization. Yeah. Well, he, you know, Star Wars has always been an action figure franchise. Like it's just the, it's just more of the wish fulfillment stuff of, I want this guy to look like I think is cool. Yeah. It's here's like, what color my lightsaber would be. Cal is very paper doll. Like he d- he doesn't have a lot of personality uh, going for him. So yeah, which I mean, is unfortunate. Th- but, but sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. But it's like it's unfortunate because it's like that actor is not interesting enough to give that character enough personality to really make him shine in that story. But also, if you're gonna make him a sort of generic stand-in for you, the Jedi. Why would you get a specific actor's likeness? Why wouldn't you just make them a customizable character? Make them like V in fucking cyberpunk. You know, it's like, I I don't really understand that. Yeah, I mean, I I can't speak to this game, but I mean, the character had plenty of pathos in the first game. But yeah, his his delivery is pretty deadpan generally. And I assume that's, I don't know, actually, I haven't, what, what was the Fox? um, It's not a Batman series, but it's like Batman adjacent. It was a Gotham. It was a Gotham. It was Gotham. Is that a t- that's a TV show, right? It was, yeah, for a few wasn't, seasons. Wasn't he on there? He might believe... have been. I never watched Gotham. I I mostly uh, just saw people like oh. sharing videos of like, oh look, this character you know showed up in Gotham, but I never yeah, see, watched it. He he was Joker on that show. Oh, Any, was anyway, he? I I bring it up because I've seen people saying like, oh yeah, he was really good on Gotham. So I, I don't know if. I don't know if that's his style or if that's just what he's doing here. I don't know, but I, the supporting cast is is much more interesting to me, and they they have much more personality and flesh out a lot of the the world there, uh, and that that's more fun to me than maybe his portrayal. And going back to the customization, though, it's like you know, put some different boots on him, put a different cape, and you know, it's 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 it is what it is. Yeah, but, I mean. It seems it seems like the kind of thing that's easily ignored unless that's all you're getting for a bunch of side quests and you don't know that until you're doing the side quests because I could see that being so, kind of annoying, but at least you're getting XP, I guess. So there are about three or four different main ways to get... There's a perk system, so you're, you're collecting um, you're collectibles to get perks, missions, side missions to get perks. There are um, side missions to get... Um, uh, lightsaber parts. There are side missions to get new uh, cosmetics, beards, and shirts and stuff. I'm trying to think, there's what the fourth one is. Um, and they all have these different collectibles that you get and then turn in uh, for uh, five to get a new beard or five mm-hmm. to get a, a new uh, thing. Of course, you know, go turn the save up and go get the new perk slot. That's the one you want. And then save up and get the one that gets you more XP when you kill somebody. That's the one you want. Of course, that's the one you want. Um, but yeah, there. I engaged with the systems just enough to be like, okay, you're right, Brad. The, the bummer is when you go off path and you you spend you know a minute and a half or two minutes exploring and then pop open a chest and they're like, here's a beard I'm never gonna use, and you're like, oh man, that sucks. Because sometimes, sometimes you'll go off path for a minute and a half and you'll be like, oh, it's a permanent health upgrade. Uh, uh those little like force sit down points or uh, it's a permanent force upgrade, and those are absolutely what you want. So yeah, the the cosmetic stuff is a lot. Yeah. Uh, overall, I'd say I really enjoyed it. It was a, it was a ramping up 
by the time I finished was probably the height of my enjoyment of it. And that's a, that's a positive thing to say about a game, but it does have a pretty slow ramp up to those things. And again, not until I fit, I got those two other stances. And then I was like, I want to get points because now I want to invest in these stances. Uh, was I really enjoying, uh, the powers never felt that good. The force powers never felt that good until I started getting more and more stuff later in the game and was like, Oh, okay. Like force push and force pull, which is kind of what you start with. And they just kind of feel impotent. Like, yeah, like you can run around, you can pull a stormtrooper towards you and stick your lightsaber through him. But the game compensates for that by putting 15 stormtroopers in a, in a line. And also you drain your force powers fairly quickly. So it never felt that great. I would say 60 to 70% of the people feel force resistant in the game, unless you've leveled up enough. So when you go to force push somebody, they just stand there or block it. It's uh, always the, this is kind of a minor example of the Superman problem. It's always the problem making video games around Jedi. So mm-hmm. they should be able to Dude. just slice and dice everything in sight. So you have to contrive a bunch of bullshit to make them not be they able to do that. I mean, the first game didn't do this and I, I, this doesn't really bother me, but it's something I'll point out is like, you know, you're con- constantly slashing through people that are just taking the hit with your lightsaber yeah. until the cinematic shot where somebody gets poked with the end of a lightsaber and they die. Uh, more to that point though, which I will give them a little bit of shit for. And this is again, is my light lightsaber escalation problem. Fucking everybody's got a lightsaber. It don't matter who you are. Just kids on the street picking lightsabers up out of the trash. There's a lot of them to go around, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I had I, I had to go read some profiles and be like, all right, is this, a, is this a fucking Jedi or a Sith or something? It's like, no, nah, it's just Joe's who's got a lightsaber. You I, th- know? I think there was, I want to say there was like some EU thing about like the clone troopers gathering up all the lightsabers after they, after they purged the temple, <laughs> like burning them in a bonfire or something. It's like, ah, oh, maybe there's just a bunch of them lying around. I mean, there is a character in this game who is literally giving out lightsabers to people. So like, right. um, but is a general grievous. Look, <laughs> they need to sell more of those things at the Disney parks. All right. Yep. What are these games? Mm, yep. If not just really elaborate merch catalogs. Yep. Uh, but it answers my question. Uh, my, this question has been answered by the community numerous times of, do you need to be forced uh, attuned to wield the lightsaber effectively this game says hell no you do not just pick that shit up it's a sword it's a sword that buzzes it's a light sword yeah uh, i mean listen maybe effectively i beat them all so maybe they aren't that effective with it but yeah everybody's got a damn lightsaber um it's okay i'll get over it yeah uh, it's it's the you true, should it's it, you, it's just gonna weigh on you otherwise uh it's it's all right it's okay everybody can have a lightsaber i use mine better the stances are fun i had a good time with it Jedi Survivor, I'm going to say solid game. Like, uh, again, I, I was actually kind of dragging on it a bit. Um, get those stances, get some more force powers unlocked. Um, uh, no, no spoilers here, but you might guess that you can do uh, other things with the force besides pull and push. Get those. You'll have some fun with it. Uh, I'll say this. Drop points into the confuse enemy thing. Use that all day long. Like the resistances to that are actually you can push through those with some points. You just make those troopers fight each other all day, um, and then uh, and then just that was my strategy in Assassin's Creed. I always yep. used that poison dart that yep. made dudes go after other dudes, and it yep. always worked. Use the berserk dart. Yeah, let them fight. Uh, that's would Jedi you, Survivor. Yeah, would you say? Would you say it's like four out of five? From the way you're talking, that's okay. you know, which is what I which is what I would have given the first game if it hadn't been a technical mess. So you say that, and what I say is. If this game were not, this game crashed on me more than more than once. 
Yeah, it's crashed uh, on me a couple of times already. On, on playing on PS5, and it's crashed. I actually had a very scary moment where the game loaded into a cutscene, crashed. It rebooted. It said my I've never seen this before. It said my save data was corrupted. Oh, lo- no. loading back in, but then uh, but then said something else in the notification. But I couldn't. It's like your save data was corrupted, but we do. And then dot dot dot. I didn't have time to pull it up, and I couldn't find that notification again. But then stalled on the load, froze on the load oh, back into no. the thing. I, I so I came in here to say I fired up the PS5 last night and saw that the game had pulled another patch, and I was like, oh, I'll jump back in there and see if it's gotten a little smoother. Because I really do want to play through this, but there's plenty of other stuff to play that is not in a rough state at the moment. Yeah, and it locked up, loading my save the first time I tried. So, so that's what happened to me. This was immediately post patch. So you might just want to try it again. Mine locked up yeah, immediately post patch. I did, I did okay. and it did load in the second time. But I was like, man, this is not, <laughs> this is not making a good first impression. So after optimal. your latest, after your latest update, there are a lot of other games I could be playing, and so I went back to RE4 instead. So my biggest thing with this game is it seems poorly optimized and seems like I could have yeah. used um, a couple of more, maybe a month or two more in QA and development time. Because there are just things that are – the load times, and I'm very spoiled on PS5, let's say, or Xbox Series X, but the load times seem longer than they should for being on those systems, especially when you are fast traveling around and they do things where you go to your base and you have to sit in front of a door for 20 seconds while the door is just shut because it's loading in the the thing behind it. And you're like, come on, man. Like, this sucks. Like, mm. stream, you got to stream this in better. Uh, but I guess I kind of get it because you're fast traveling in and then immediately going to this other interior area. You you noticeably see the frame rate pick up when you're inside smaller caves and areas, which, you know, on the PS5, it's kind of nice because the frame rate picks up a lot. And then there's just like weird control issues that's like, this feels inaccurate for what you're asking me to do. I'm wall running and I'll hit a wall and run the wrong way or, or slide off a thing or... There's- there's something weirdly slidey about the character movement in the game in general. Like yeah. it almost feels like he's sort of ice skating a little bit when you yeah. start moving from a stop, you know, it's like he sort of slides forward before he fully starts animating. It's just weirdly loose. I will say I didn't take a picture of this. I should have. I thought about it or a, or a movie. My favorite bug I had was I was on the ship and um, it got caught in this weird load in loop where I was in hyperspace, but I had to go back and f- hit the destination again. But my hair was like I was, I was fine, but my hair was like I was falling. I don't know if you've seen the hair right. tech in that game. So it was right. just hair flying Goku style in the air uh, as I was, I had to go to the table. Got, which I've got crazy. a certain affinity for <laughs> effects being applied to characters to, where they shouldn't be like yeah. that. Like wind when there is no wind. I don't know if you saw the Last of Us Part 1 PC port the week that came out. There was a video going around of like a very tense cutscene where the characters were just getting water applied to them randomly throughout this like, oh, no. while they're like arguing. Oh no. It's like all of a sudden like Joel is drenched in water out of nowhere. <laughs> all right. That's yes, yes. Those those are okay. The game breaking ones not so okay. A lot of like weird I did the same thing twice and had different results two times right like i don't know what i did differently this time but this time i made that jump instead of missed that jump yeah but um yeah hopefully it gets polished up and it's fine i don't know how things are on the pc so i i'm playing on the ps5 again i know that sounded like it launched pretty rough over there extremely hopefully hopefully things are better there uh that's so when you ask me four out of five i don't know i know there's no half star but i would take wow i would probably take a half if we could 
Mm. A three and a half, and that half star being no, for it's not allowed. Challenges. Absolutely I, no half stars in this world. Do I count the PC version? I didn't play the PC version on the PS5. I would say it's a soft four because okay. I, I, so I, seven I'd, out of I'd, ten. A seven out of ten is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd average up to the four and not average down to the three for the technical problems. Uh, but they're there and they're present and I think they will be fixed or addressed, but they are definitely there and they can get in your way a bit. So, uh, beware on some of that, but yeah, enjoyable. Hopefully one's maybe, maybe a little less enjoyable than the first one. Um, but, um, I think the story really picks up and it goes, most of the a plot I was snoozing through and then it kind of picked up, uh, picked up about three quarters of the way through. And I was like, okay. Once it took its predictable turn, I was like, this is actually more enjoyable than the whole other part uh, I was having. Um, curious how this one does, because it very much like Horizon leads, leaves off, not as explicit as Horizon, but leads off on like, you are clearly, this is a franchise, you are making more of these. I would hazard to believe that it will do well enough for EA to say, you should just go make that third one. Yeah, they're yeah. already out there kind of ballyhooing about the early sales it's been apparently doing quite well and you know respawn's also making that star wars first person shooter so oh respawn wait i didn't like, know respawn was doing yes. that okay respawn is like largely becoming a star wars developer now i don't know what happened here on the technical side i hope respawn and i hope they figure it out because these games should be very good and it's a shame that they get knocked around for some of this technical stuff uh, developmental stuff like yeah um, these should be very good and they are generally very good star Wars games and the world needs more of those. Um, not that the world needs anything more star Wars, but the, the world, yeah, I was going to say for a second there, are you sure need is the word there? Um, it needs good ones. Yeah. yeah it needs yeah. good ones. Cause there are a you bunch know, with, of crap ones and mediocre ones. And you know, with the, with the, the fallout of battlefront two. Yeah. And there's a lot of star Wars games out there. Most of them are middling. Um, yeah. and, and this, these are very good. Um, but been a long time since that heyday of like tie fighter and dark forces. Yeah. Shadows stuff. of the empire. Shadows of the empire. I don't know if I quite put shadows of the empire up there with those. That game sort of. How was that game received critically? I don't remember. Uh, I remember I mean, getting a lot has, of sevens. It has its diehard fans, of course, but no, at the time, I don't remember how it was like, was it like, this is amazing at the time or this is a foggy mess at the time. These levels. Um, that Poth level sure got a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kotor, uh, one uh, one of the greats. Yeah, yes, uh, there are there are great ones, but also there are some real clunkers out well, there. Well, yeah. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor out now across the board, seventy dollars uh, to get you in on that. I don't know the state of the PC. I played it on PS Five, so take that for what it is worth. We're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk more video games. There's even more to talk about. So stick around. We'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions. And at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> 
It's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. And we are back. A game that I really just can't say enough good things about. Uh, The Case of the Golden Idol has DLC. I'm sorry. Golden Idol Mysteries. Mm -hmm. Franchise. Uh uh Uh-huh. Which is the Case of the Golden Idol's DLC, The Spider of Lanka. It's out. It's very good. It's six dollars. Uh, I think I think you can get them both for twenty odd dollars or so on Steam. If you haven't played these games and don't know what they are, they are um, they've got this kind of Apple Two E graphic, uh, this aesthetic, this raster, severe raster aesthetic. It is uh, a kind of a mystery game where you get set up in these vignettes and you're, you're clicking through a bunch of keywords and then trying, you have two screens. One is the, a little vignette of what happened with maybe a couple of different scenes. And then the other side of it is trying to puzzle out in kind of a blank went to the shop in this Mad Lib style and, and murdered blank with a blank. And you're trying to puzzle out using your verbs and nouns that you've collected throughout the scene. It's kind of clue in a, in a way, in a way. Yeah. A bit. Uh, and, and with the end result kind of progressing you through this greater narrative of um, kind of not not quite Cthulhu-esque or not quite there, but this, you know, could could be in that vein of uh, of mysteries of the ancients, kind of. Sounds like this DLC is pretty tied to the original game, is that It's a case? prequel. It's a direct okay. prequel to it. Okay. Um, that first scene you get in the original game uh, this game kind of ends leading up to that. So, oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's, so, that's, that's, that's neat. I mean, because they could easily just take this format and start spinning off completely unrelated stories. Yeah. I th- I mean, listen, I want more DLC that bridges, bridges a little bit more between where this game ends and that first scene. There is some time there that is not explained. Um, but this doesn't really have that much to do with the first game other than some characters. Uh, okay. It's kind of a self-contained little bit here that you don't necessarily need to have played the first game, but why wouldn't you? <laughs> why wouldn't you? There, you have to have the game to get the DLC, and it, it kind of loads into the game. You could start it anytime you want. Uh, it might be worth playing if you're new to this, uh, the Golden Idol, Idol Mysteries, let's say. If you're new to start with the DLC, it won't spoil anything for you, but you can um, you can then go roll right into... The, the the main game it's fun it's not very long it might depending on your how long it's like three scenarios right 
it's three scenarios though a scenario might have a lot of screens in it so you mm-hmm. might have you know you might have four screens within a scenario to kind of plug away in uh it takes what i think it the it picks up uh, you know what i will say this you should probably at least get halfway through maybe golden idol because this game kind of um uh, mechanics wise picks up thinking you have finished that game because it's dense from the jump. They don't they don't hold your hand in the in the very first screen. You are presented with a lot of blanks and a lot of things to put in whereas it, the original Golden Idol, the main game kind of walks slowly up to that point of being like, "Okay, now we're going to give you multiple screens. Now we're going to add in these cases to solve." So you might be in a little over your head if you haven't played the original one, kind of understanding what it's asking of you understanding the mechanic where it's like two or fewer things are, are wrong here. And then you just kind of swap them out and you're like, okay, I understand this. I'm going to brute force this one. Uh, a lot of fun though. I, I really, these games are fantastic. I love them. Uh, there are a few franchises that I just will buy sight unseen. This is becoming one of them, uh, to just be like, give me it. Uh, I'm excited for it. I'm, I was bummed. I finished it. Uh, it was like an afternoon of playing uh, maybe two sit, maybe two sittings. So, Okay. Highly recommended, especially if you like that first game. You probably already have this one. I, I just feel like there's like endless stuff they could do in this kind of like Victorian horror vein. Yeah, like like I said, like there's a very keep going. There's a very clear like I want to see what what actually step by step led up to the events of the first game. I would love to see that graphically like they kind of tweak it a little bit there's like maybe some more 3d stuff in this which is a a little weird just in some of the character animations which initially i was like "Ooh, that's weird uh but you get over it it's okay uh that's golden idol mysteries the spider of lanka it's six dollars for that piece of dlc it is out currently highly recommend alex navarro yes tape to tape tape to tape what's up with the tape to tape I feel like we talked a little bit about this one when those Steam demos were coming around earlier in the year, uh, and that game has officially released in early access on Steam. Um, it is... Okay. It's arcade hockey. That's, okay. that's the core conceit here. It is an arcade hockey game. But it is also a run-based game. It is a, a roguelite, <laughs> if you want to call it one of those. Um, the campaign is you as a, uh, a particular... Uh, I'm going to say Canadian Scottish character uh, who has abandoned hockey in favor of golf, but has now returned to the world of hockey alongside your brother and a bunch of other weird misfit players. And you're on a progression where you are going through a campaign of, of elite matchups against other teams, as well as challenge matchups. And then there are like random events that pop up along the way that will sometimes give you buffs. Sometimes maybe give you debuffs, depending on what's happening. Um, And you're on some kind of quest to rescue hockey as a concept. I, I'm not exactly sure what the quest even really is. Okay. But also it kind of doesn't matter because it really you're there for the, you know, the, the, the bite-sized chunks of hockey gameplay that they give you in the campaign. You can just play it also. It is a game that you can play mm. outside of the campaign as just an arcade hockey game. But I think the campaign is really where the meat of it is. And, you know, it's not just like NHL 94 style, like, you know, sort of off the wall hockey. It is, like, there are a lot of weird abilities in this game uh, where, you know, you can, if you have a particular defensive ability, you can throw your stick at other players to knock them over. Oh, hockey. Uh, 
or you know you have a special shot that will just basically cause the the puck to go straight into the faces of any players that are in front of you and knock them over ouch um you get you know buffs for so you start out the campaign with your main character you pick another player of some talent that you have unlocked you get a choice of three at the beginning of the campaign and then you get three scrub guys uh, that join you as well, and then they can get buffed as you go along, though only to a certain degree. Um, trying to think what else there is to say about it, other than it's just really fun, actually. Like, I've been playing a lot of it, and part of it is that I'm kind of starved for a good hockey game. The <laughs> NHL EA games have not been doing it for me in recent years. I've heard they've gotten better, but I've not really do dove in in the last couple of years. Um... And nobody's really making arcade hockey games, as far as I can mm. tell. It's just not a genre that has really been plundered to any significant degree since, I'm going to say, the heady days of NHL hits. I'd agree with that. Yeah. So, I have been playing a bunch of this. I've not gotten super deep into the campaign. I've gotten to, like, the second boss fight, like, the second tier, uh, and then and bombed out. The boss teams are pretty tough, um, but it, they also, have, I think, have gone on record saying that they are still like balancing it they're tweaking the balance of it uh as they go along again it is an early access so there is still time for them to do a bunch of stuff to it uh but i think what's there is very playable in its early access state and it feels like something you could pretty easily dive into now it's funny i was looking at this just now and it is four player co-op uh or i think co-op here uh but it says using uh play locally or steam remote play which i thought was a funny way to say online yeah <laughs> play um so it says the campaign is totally co-op too if you want to uh, jump in there which is cool. oh that's interesting yeah i haven't tried that so are there choices for like uh narrative stuff that you make or is it mostly upgrades and it's building? mostly upgrades like you know in between major matchups, there's usually, like, a branching path where it's like, okay, do you want to go do a challenge match, which is usually just, like, first goal wins, and then you get a few uh, few pieces of rubber, which is the game's currency, which you use to unlock stuff in the shop in between runs. Okay. Um, or you can go, let's say, to this camp so you can rest, and you'll get a particular stat boost for everything on your team. Or you'll go to a special hidden event, which is, like... Oh, uh, this your character has studied with a bunch of rabid dogs, and now everyone is really scared of you when they get near you on the ice and they shoot worse. So I, stuff like that. I just saw a clip, and like I watched you play this on that stream some months ago, and mm -hmm. it seemed pretty straightforward. I just saw a clip in this trailer of a giant tentacle bursting through the rink. So there's some allusions to tentacles and maybe old gods. Like the the second huh. boss, if I remember correctly, is like a coven of wizards. That play hockey, like like demon wizards. Uh, I mean the first the first boss you fight is a team of refs who cheat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it, there's definitely room for some weird, wacky fantasy shit to 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 you know infect what's going on there. Yeah, this seems like a cool mashup of stuff. It is. It's really smartly designed. I feel like like uh, it, it the hockey is good enough. Like they're doing things like they're doing away with offsides rules, so it doesn't really matter. You know, like, there aren't really penalties to speak of, as far as I can tell. Um, if there's fighting, I haven't encountered it yet, though. I wouldn't be surprised if that's something they put in there at some point. But it really is just, like, grab the puck, pass it around, do your dumb abilities, and just, you know, try and hit some good one-timers. Like, it's not that complicated, but it feels good. Like, there's enough hockey strategy in there to feel like it isn't just the cartoon violence. Yes, fighting is listed on the Early Access page. Okay. 20 bucks. 20 bucks uh, over on the PC tape to tape. 
Yes, I'm into it. Catch it. Uh, another one here. Brad Shoemaker, $20. Not tape to tape, but touch type tail. Touch type tail. We got tape to tape, touch type tail. No, nope, you lost it. Touch type tail, $20. I think this one's over on the Epic Store currently. Yes. Uh, what is touch type tail, Brad? I'm just going to say the top line of this is a real-time strategy game that you play entirely by typing. Great. Is that just writing a book? This is what this is. Uh, this was recommended to me by Ben Hansen of Min Max fame. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was on, I was on their trivia tower recently. If you go catch that on their YouTube, that was a good time. Catch it. If you want to see people get completely perplexed by the existence of the adventures of Bayou Billy. Oh, uh, wait, why are they confused? Because it's, it's a weird game. <laughs> Fair. Okay. It, it tried to be too many things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he recommended this game to me, and I finally got around to checking it out. It is bananas. It is... It pretty much does for RTS what Typing of the Dead did for light gun shooters. Okay. Essentially. Um, I will say the maps, they're, the maps are not totally open. They're all very lane-based. So, like, between strategic points, you've got specific roads that you can send units on. So, because actually controlling omnidirectional units by typing words would be fucking impossible. Mm-hmm. Once you see how this game works. Uh, so, it is, it is funneled toward choke points in that way. Um, but you are literally typing to do everything in this game. I, like... There's so much going on at one time, and I, I struggle to even know where to begin describing it. But it's all the RTS stuff you think. It is mining gold, like running farms, building barracks, producing units, moving them around. You know, you've got the standard kind of cavalry archer, uh, pikeman, you know, like that whole rock, paper, scissors, combat balance kind of thing. There mm-hmm. are escort missions occasionally where you're trying to protect units that are moving on their own and like do timing based stuff. Like that's actually, I'm going to play this on the grab bag because you really just need to see it in action to understand it. So like are they, you, go on. Well, I was going to ask, are the words related to what no, the actions? Completely okay. just, just pulled out of a dictionary. They're <laughs> okay. all, they're all typically one and two syllable words because if they were longer, it would be basically impossible. They do enforce capitalization, which can be tricky. Okay. Um, also, if you mistype, you lose a little bit of mana. Okay. Which sucks. Mm. Every word, every mistyped letter is a little bit of mana gone, although it does recharge automatically at least. Um, it sounds crazy to say this, but they have actually upped the amount of busy work from your average RTS. Mm. <clears throat> like you might think, Oh, you're typing. You don't have a mouse. Probably they have streamlined some things to make this a little easier to play. You thought wrong. Okay. You have to like, for example, okay. Like, you know, like your average Starcraft, you like assign peons to go mine from the gold mine or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. In this game, you have to manually hire every peon that is going to go gather gold for you. So you go hire one by typing a word by going first, you activate the castle by typing that word. And then you hire a peon with a word. Now you've got one peon gathering gold. I see. So like to get to get more than one getting you gold, you have to manually raise the money and continue hiring them one by one. So is it like like you don't they don't mine gold for you automatically. <laughs> There's a whole separate mechanic for going in the mine and you propel this mine cart with a single key. Oh boy. And also have to like type the <laughs> Basically type the word attached to each gold nugget as you pass it in this minecart to get it before it scrolls off the screen. So 
You have to both manually hire workers to go get you gold and also go manually hire each piece of gold they will get. Also, all the workers retire at the end of each day. So when the next day dawns, you have to go hire them all again. <laughs> like, it is ludicrously huh. complicated. Like, the, the game actually defaults to hard. Like, it, like, hard on the difficulty tier says, the default difficulty, a stiff challenge, blah, blah, blah. It's fucking hard, man. It is really incredibly multitasking intensive because you are having to do eight things at once and type words to do them. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because like, you're taking points on the map where you can then build forward defenses and barracks and stuff like that. But there are constantly enemies trying to take them back from you. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all kinds of mechanics around like flanking and attacking in motion versus at rest. Like, like cavalry does way more damage if you if you attack while you're running rather than obviously being stationary. Like there are damage bonuses by flanking from multiple directions. And again, you're constantly managing all this other busy work and having to type shit all over the place. It is it really taxes your ability to keep up with everything going on. It sounds it's, it's wild. crazy. It is crazy. It's like when, once I started feeling myself getting good at it, it felt like incredibly satisfying. So would you, would you say, is it fair to say that if you basically replace all the clicking, every click with typing a word in an RTS game, it is like you, instead of, instead of clicking on your home center or your town center and then clicking on build a unit, you type a word to go into yeah. that menu and then type yes. a word to build that unit. Okay. And, 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 and to be clear, you're not like typing castle every time you want to activate the castle and hire another worker. They're, the words are all randomized. Like and there's all. a change every once and, you've and gone every in. single time you enter one, it changes to something else. Oh my gosh. So okay. that's what it is, is you can't even, you can't even be managing a skirmish and just yeah. type the word that, you know, maps to castle or farm. Oh man. You actually have to look manually back and see, okay, what's the word this time to use the castle. Oh like, man. Your eyes are darting all over the screen and you are typing as fast as you can, basically. <laughs> it's straight up, um, it's straight up wor- rates your words per minute and accuracy at the end of each level. Uh, it's, it, it's fucking, it is, it's buck wild. It is, huh. it is ludicrously complicated and like kind of exhilarating. At the end of a level, is it a whole new scenario or are you building on top of what you did previously, like expanding your base? Uh, it's, and- the campaign is just bouncing from location to location okay. with different objectives and there's a story. There's a story there. It's like this whole kind of Merlin and Newt kind of, you're the Newt, okay. like Merlin, Merlin takes off and you're the apprentice who finds the wizard's magic typewriter ah, and I finds see. that you can influence events I with this see. thing. Um, it's also got a skirmish mode. I haven't tried that yet, but you straight up just can play like AI matches. Can you play other players? Uh, I don't know if it has online or okay. not. Okay. It'd be tough on the same but keyboard. It's like for, for as much as I feel like you can just kind of say like, Oh, it's any game genre, but typing the way the typing of the dead is like, it feels really mechanically dense and pretty well thought out. If again, incredibly demanding, like it's pretty, it's pretty impressive design. I think this, this does say online competitive play. Oh, which wow. Sounds bananas. Oh uh, my God. Okay. Huh? You might have to, tr- if you do this on the grab bag, I might Jeez. ask you to go online. I won't because no, you won't you're hear, not allowed to play that. You on won't hear anything else <laughs> on the stream except that's my fucking typing. <laughs> like that's the thing I had, don't think I'm going to be able to talk while playing this on a stream. Like it's kind of, I don't think it's possible. Uh, that is a touch type tale, strategic typing that is on the Epic game store came out in uh, late March, 20 bucks. Is it still early access or, or whatever Epic's uh, uh, thing is, or is that fully released at this point? I 
didn't see that on the store page. Okay. Uh, it looks like it might just be out, 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 out. Pumpernickel Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, made in Germany, I want to say, because there's a logo for some German uh, kind of national arts endowment thing at the top. Okay. Um, I don't see anything about early no, access. No, I'm here. not seeing it either. It was in the it was in our database with an early access tag, but I think that just might be old. Um, I want Do you know if you can do any other languages in there, like for the uh, typing? I don't. Okay, that'd, that'd be interesting to have other languages for the typings. Um. Oh yeah, this says text: English, French, German, Italian, Japanese, Korean, oh. Polish, Portuguese. Wow. Uh, Russian, Spanish, uh, Latin American, Spanish, Spain, Turkish, and Chinese simplified. Dang, it's it's really cool. I kind of just want to get off of here and go play <laughs> more of it. Um, touch type tail strategic typing. Brad, anything else you want to chat about? I came into this podcast fully intending to have played more Redfall. Uh huh. What happened? Um, I, I don't know. There's like this, this happens occasionally, right? Like a game comes out and it is like bad or broken or there's something about it. It's generally not well received. And then this sort of contrarian zeitgeist starts forming around it where a small number of people are like, fuck this. I'm going to finish this thing. Uh-huh. I'm just going to, you know what I, you know what I mean? Like sometimes sure. you're just gripped by this, like need to debase yourself by seeing the whole thing. Yeah, I have to and see like, where this goes. And and to be clear, like I think I'm I'm less down on Redfall than most people. Like I absolutely will not apologize for any of its shortcomings. It has many, but but I wasn't hating it. Like I was like, ah, you know, like there's the loot, there's loot, there's loot. Basically, <laughs> it's the main thing. It's loot, you know. But I kind of wanted to see more of, it, especially because no, like who who else is going to right? Like very few people outside of reviewers probably are even going to finish that game. So uh, like, you know, I, it's it's free on Game Pass. Some people will just kind of play I don't through. Know, man. No, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking the temperature of the conversations I have witnessed about it, that is just hastening people's desire to stop playing it. Mm. Um. Anyway, uh, I was gonna try to push past where I had seen at that event and blah blah blah. I wanted to maybe try to get to the second map or something. Remember when we did that stream? Yes. Remember when I gained like three and a half levels on that stream? Sure. Yeah. And like got a bunch of way better guns. Yes. Gear and levels. So I fired it back up over the weekend intending to jump back into the solo campaign. All of that progress was gone. I don't think that's how it's supposed to be designed. All of it was gone. It was like we never did that stream. Wait, so I know mission progress is supposed to be on the host, but yeah, I thought it, it said loot it, it is, and levels. Yes, come over. that is that is it is explicitly spelled out in the game that you keep experience and levels from co-op. Okay. So I did some Googling around and I found a Reddit thread basically full of people with the exact same uh, problem. Like I'm not gonna say it is like broken across the board for everybody, but there sure were a lot of other people in there <laughs> running into the same issue. It does seem you, like it is at the very least common. I was fucking livid, man. Yeah, I was gonna like, say I, that that would really be a uh, uh, that's fucked up. That's like is, not a, those aren't dice you want to roll on whether you're gonna keep that experience when playing co-op. Like, or like, not. like there are bugs that are entertaining. There are bugs that are at least like interesting conceptually. Yes, and then there are bugs that just make you say fuck this progress bugs. Yeah, instantly uninstalled the game. This is a hundred percent a fuck this bug. I like, agree with I, you seriously. Like I like I if there if there's one thing I have zero patience for is about with games. It is games that waste your time. In totally that way. sure. I was like, dude, that's two hours down the drain. 
Yes. Of progress in a game that is mostly about progress. Also, also not, not replicable because you got random loot. And also a game that has been billed since the very first reveal as a co-op experience. Yep. Oh, it and is here, an experience. And here you have shipped a game where a major component of the co-op is broken enough to spawn a lot of discussion about its brokenness. Man, what the like, fuck? I just like... I could not believe it, man. I was that, like, are you serious? Are you actually serious? So like, that's a wild one too, because I, I, I don't, I'm not a game developer. And, and so take this obviously with not Vinny talking from a development side, but I would think that having it be on the, at least focused on the Xbox and Microsoft PC, Xbox ecosystem would make some of that matchmaking a little easier or quote unquote matchmaking grouping up multiplayer. Cause you're not dealing with cross play between, um, PS5 and other consoles, let's say. Uh, hopefully, yeah. you can get that infrastructure a little better. But that and like to to goof on that one, which is like you said, it's a cardinal sin in gaming, right? Yeah. Like you can't lose progress, especially. I'll take it a step further from you, especially in a loot game where you're going in asking people to come join you. You're not going to keep your mission progress, but you will keep your loot and your experience. So please come join me on my stream or or even my session stream. Um, that's a really rough one to roll the dice. Is there any way for people to tell if while you're in a session, if you will lose your progress? Not that I could tell. Okay. You know, people were like, oh, maybe that happens if the host quits before you do. But I made a point of quitting before you did after that stream. Yeah. There I wonder if you join back did, up. Yeah. And, I wonder if you join me. I guess you just bring that character back in. I guess we'll never know because I'm not <laughs> installing the game to do that. Uh, hey, maybe maybe when the first DLC drops, um, that they have already probably started working. The first and only DLC for that game drops. Um, yeah, yeah. I like to be clear. I'm not enjoying like clowning on it here. You know, I would have preferred to keep the progress dude, and see see more of the game. That's a huge public service announcement. I didn't yeah, even know like that, that was a thing. Yeah, that's that's a big it, one. I I have not been that mad at a game being broken in some time. <laughs> that's a real bummer. Um, look, nobody wants a game to be well. With rare exception, nobody wants the game to to be come out poorly, especially one that's uh, from a eh, fairly storied studio like Arcane. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I had gone through the achievements, looking at what you're, what they, what they have you doing, and it sounds like there's a lot of sort of named, named bosses, named enemies. You know, like kind of special vampire type stuff. I was like, you know, I kind of want to see like, you know, the basic enemies are fairly dull in this game, but I want to see what their idea is of like later game more interesting stuff, you know, like just some of the descriptions of like places you might go. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe there's some flavor in here yeah. that is worth seeing. Uh, that's kind of what piqued my interest, but that's a bummer. Oh, oh well. Oh, well, uh, did you play, get up to anything else? You, you mentioned some resident yeah, I, evil four. I, I, I pivoted back to re four. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, with, you went to your, your comfort with, zone with more recent games. Yeah. Not functioning so well. I was like, here's a game that works. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say there. I had, I ended up putting that down right before I built this PC because it has taken a lot of time for a lot of reasons since. Um, but I picked it back up. I, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm rolling around with Ashley. Like, I'm pretty deep in. Any of those mechanics changed? Still hiding in a I dumpster? I can't remember. Like, they, they make a big deal in this out of having two kind of stances where you can have her, like, stay close or hang back, which you need to do to sort of manage her aggro and damage. I thought there was a wait here and follow me, but I, I right. Don't I don't remember. remember it being as much of a big deal in the original. Yeah, but I haven't played that game. You could just tell her to go hide in the dumpster, in right? Time. I think so. 
I don't remember. But, but this is much more like, hey, tell her to hang back if there are enemies with like wide ranging attacks. So she could avoid those type stuff. How has the difficulty been as you've been moving on? Like still pretty uh, aggressive? Yeah, I haven't spent a ton of time with it since I picked it back up, but okay. um, it had gotten way better once I started upgrading some stuff. And like I said, investing Crossbow. in the bolt thrower, bolt thrower is clutch Okay. in that game, I find. Although also ammo is kind of such a not a big deal. Okay, actually. Like, right, like when I, went to, when I went and fought the El Gigante, like I kind of was like dumping a lot of bullets into it. Like, you know, standard Resident Evil thing of like, I need to conserve bullets, even though this game is really not that. I was getting down to like 20 bullets or something in that fight, and then like a bunch of crates broke, and I just ran around picking everything up. I had like 75 bullets after the fight oh, was damn. over. Oh, nice. Like, it really is a game where you should probably just kind of spray. I mean, I have heard it does get... Uh, a little limited in that fashion at some point. I mean, I ran but, out of ammo a couple of times in in that that one encounter that I did, I haven't picked it up since that um I don't know what you call it that scaffold scaffolding encounter that I really didn't like. Yeah, I I think I think my main thing is I probably just need to push myself through the game and not try to be a completionist because hmm. a money is somewhat limited, so you kind of pick and choose your upgrades and what weapons you buy and stuff. But also maybe it's not as limited as I thought because like I spent a ton of time in Chapter Four making damn sure I got like everything I could get. Get all the spinels. All the yeah, like trying to make sure I don't miss a Clockwork Castellan. Yes, you know, make sure I get every optional treasure. Yeah, blah blah blah. Like now I have like a hundred thousand money. Do you have as many so, briefcase upgrades as they'd give you? Yeah. Okay, good. So I think I think you can probably just kind of play the game and not necessarily try to get absolutely everything. Make room for that rocket launcher. Always I have not keep, bought that. Just keep room for it. I, I have enough to buy it right now, but I just can't commit. <laughs> it takes up so much room. It's Eighty thousand, yes, and it takes up and it's one shot. Like mm. just save it. I think there's a. I don't know how they've changed. We'll see. Uh, so you're not inside the castle yet? I, I'm headed there. Okay. After I got Ashley. Uh, that is Resident Evil 4 out now. Resident Evil 4, obviously the remake of Resident Evil 4. Uh, that is currently out and Redfall, for better or worse, currently out. $70. Do you think that game goes on sale uh, on the PC or on Xbox? Um, even uh, though it's the on earliest convenience. Yeah, I don't wonder. I wonder. I'm going to say one piece of DLC for that and maybe a new character. Maybe they add in. Oh, maybe they turn right. it around. I believe there are two more characters coming. Is there a season pass for that game? I think there yes. might be. Okay. Yes. Maybe that game turns around. It could be a fantastic success story. There are games that have definitely come out, especially even from Microsoft's and. Oh, it's not impossible. End. Yeah, it's just improbable. Yeah, it's it's I, a it's a bummer because games that rely on multiplayer with a poor impression are are I think tougher to pull ahead on. Oh, definitely. Because the you know especially if you're not keeping your progress, that's such <sighs> a bummer. Uh, all right, so we talked about Star Wars Jedi Survivor. We talked about uh, Golden Idol Mysteries: Spider of Lanka. Uh, tape to tape, touch type, tail strategic typing, uh, Redfall and Resident Evil Four. Boy, the alliteration on this one is uh, mm -hmm. it's killer. It's off the charts. We are going to take a quick break, and we're going to... Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to jump in real quick. Uh -huh. I did look up what the Redfall Bite Back Edition comes with. Uh -huh. <clears throat> it is a hero pass with two future heroes coming, but that just makes me remember that when you change heroes in that game, you start the whole game over. 
Oh, right. So what, do they, hmm. what do they intend for people to do <laughs> if they play through the game and then wait for this hero pass to come out and get the new heroes? Like you're just going to get the new heroes and start over. I'm telling you, maybe the, maybe the, I don't know. I really don't know. Let's move on. I don't know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with some news. We're going to move on to some news right after this. This week's show is brought to you by Factor. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. Do you guys know what Factor is? (laughs) I do. I thought you were about to ask if I knew what food is. Do you also know what food is? I've heard of it. It sounds cool. Do you know what food can be? Factor's here. Factor is here to tell you what food is and can be. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. We've gotten some Factor before. I've actually mm-hmm. found it to be quite tasty and delicious and convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put it in the toaster oven, put it in the microwave. I did the toaster oven. It was ready. I think in the toaster oven, it was ready between like 10, 15 minutes. Pretty quick. You can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. You can level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Ooh, you can treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Not that regular butter. Truffle butter. Round out your meals and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, ooh, potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Oh man, oh, Factor, man. what are you, what are you doing to me, Factor? With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Head to factormeals.com slash nextlander50 and use code nextlander50 to get 50% off. That's code nextlander50 at factormeals.com slash nextlander50 to get 50% off potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Thanks, Factor. And we are back. And it is time for the news. Now, last week or the week before, or just put an infinite infinity sign here. Last infinity. We talked about Microsoft and uh, the Activision Blizzard uh, acquisition and how in the UK... That was I, was this two weeks ago or last week? I can't remember. Uh, a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks least. ago. Uh, <clears throat> in the UK, it basically hit a big roadblock. That roadblock being a nah, <laughs> nah, we don't like it. In the yes. UK, uh, Brad but, Shoemaker, um, yes, the, the Competition and Markets Authority, yes. specifically said nah. It's yeah, in the yeah, UK, we don't have to, but it does have wide-reaching implications. Yeah, yeah, we we don't have to belabor this one too much. But Reuters has reported that the EU is going to clear the deal. <laughs> Has not uh, happened yet, but sources are saying that uh, May fifteenth is when the decision is expected to come down that uh, the EU 
is going to let this thing proceed. Which is, um, so I didn't see, I saw the story you linked, Brad, and I remember reading this. There was a lot more hay being made when the UK regulators said nah about what that means. Did you see anything outside of maybe just this one here that says what this means for Microsoft in terms of approaching, appealing, or changing for that UK deal? I have no idea, but I would assume they're totally unrelated now that the UK has exited the EU. Right. Uh, I would guess there's no... I mean, I, I don't, who knows? Maybe, maybe they can argue that by saying, hey, look, because yeah. a bunch of other countries have also reproved the deal at this point. Uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe they can, maybe that does give them some ammunition in court in the UK to say, Hey, look at all these other entities have approved it. Some maybe, of the, I don't know. Some of the stuff we saw during the UK one or some of the proposed things were carve outs for the UK, which sounded kind of rough, you know, like, Hey, we won't, we won't do Activision stuff on game pass here was one of the proposed things that people were re- circulating. These are not officially announced things. Um, I wonder if this lends more credence to some of those special exemptions or carve outs for UK territories, uh, specifically. Yeah. I I don't know. I did, I did see there was a, there were headlines going around that Microsoft has engaged the services of some hotshot lawyer with a strong track record of defeating (laughs) regulatory challenges in EU courts. Now I am some hotshot lawyer. I am uh, a hotshot big city lawyer. Yes. So they are, they are getting serious there. So we, we're still waiting. Um, according to this article you linked from uh, Reuters, uh, Japan has already approved this. Uh, we're still waiting and see what happens in the U.S. Um, and so it's U.K. now has said no. EU has said oh, we're or so it's going it's to potentially allegedly say going yes. to say yes. Yeah, yeah. Japan some some number yes. of I kind of lost track, but uh, some number of other countries have all approved it as well. Okay. So I think it's really just the U.K. and provisionally here right now. Interesting. So we'll find out more about that. Like I said, I'm sure this will be back up in the news as it's ongoing. It sounds like they will probably miss their summer deadline either way and need an extension. I mean, seems that way. If there's one thing we can all, you know, we've learned over the last several years is that when uh, the UK tries to stand on its own, things always go great. (laughs) Well, you know, they've been pretty. Those carve outs always seem to work out for them (laughs) just fine. Their regulations, let's say, in terms of having a, what I feel like is maybe a more, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Heavier thumb on the regulatory stuff for the internet. Yeah. uh, Does, does have ripples and, you know, implications. I'm not saying Uh, that like like, their decision won't matter. It does, it does create a real impediment. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, it was, or like we said, like I said last time, it was the UK CMA that that killed the NVIDIA ARM deal, which was in itself a massive acquisition. Yeah, so, you know, um, it, it does that have one, implications. That one was maybe even less defensible than this one. That's the but, thing, is that I think the legal standing from this UK thing feels a little bit more of a stretch than what they were talking about in that NVIDIA deal. Um, I mean, in that case, NVIDIA... NVIDIA was one of many licensees of ARM, um, most of the other licensees being direct competitors of theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if they then take over the licensor and are in a position to deny licenses to their competitors, I mean, you know, that's, I mean, actually, it's really not that different than the Microsoft situation where they will be in a position to, whatever, we've talked about it many times, yeah. you know, deny, deny Call of Duty to Sony, blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, anyway, that's just just a little quick update on where things are at. Yeah, but that's not the only bit of Microsoft news here. You have plucked out of the news cycle uh, some Phil Spencer uh, out there talking about Redfall, talking about um, Microsoft in general. Brad, uh, what what is Phil out there saying? Um, he went on uh, kind of funny the day not not the day after Redfall shipped. It was like right around where the Redfall embargo happened. Maybe Within it was a matter the day of after. days. Maybe it might have been the day after it shipped, actually. Um, like, pretty hat in hand about the reception of the game. Mm-hmm. And as as he always is, like, very much is of the, like, yep, that's on us. It's, you know, it's always disappointing when things come in below where you thought they would. Uh, but he also got into quite a bit of real talk about Xbox's position in the market. <laughs> And flat out said, we're not in the business of out-consoling Sony or out-consoling Nintendo, which, I mean, whatever, it's not exactly news. Like, it's been obvious since Game Pass that they've been trying to pursue a kind of third way here Yeah, and in, I, in the business, because what else are they going to do at this point? But it was interesting to see him <clears throat> get pretty... Um, get pretty specific about their failures and, and specifically something I really hadn't considered uh, point to the fact that losing the last generation with the Xbox one was about the worst thing they could have done Mm -hmm. because that was the generation when everybody really truly entrenched digitally Mm -hmm. on consoles, you know, like in in an ecosystem, right? Yeah. I mean, there were, there were plenty of digital transactions on the 360 with mostly XBLA stuff and toward the end, bigger retail games. But that was the first generation where every console was just selling everything digitally right off the bat. Right. So, um, there, there's a lot of quotes out there from him. You can go read, like there's no one that I would really point to here. Other than the only, the other, other one is there's no world where Starfield is an 11 out of 10 and people start selling their PS five. I thought like that his, was really interesting. Like his, his message is basically saying like, Hey, it's not enough for us to just make great games. Although I think he is kind of underselling <laughs> the ability to, to bolster your brand of good, of great games. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, I, I think on, he's not entirely wrong here that even if they're shipping first party banger after banger, you know, people are pretty invested in the consoles they're invested in at this point. So, so um, I think I think there's a couple of interesting things there. I, I thought this was a, a, a really interesting bit or the interesting thing about it, too. I, before I say that, I will say, you know, Phil Spencer from Microsoft, they are actively trying to position themselves as not a market leader in a lot of these cases, especially the UK yeah. uh, they're saying, Hey, Sony and PlayStation already have a bigger advantage than we do in a lot of these marketplaces. This is to, to avoid, or I think to make their case that this acquisition of Activision is not going to yeah. be a monopoly. So that on, being said, that's on brand right now yes, for Microsoft yes. on, on some level. This is not that different than those pie charts. They were parading right. around a few months ago of like, look how big the PlayStation's global yes. market share is compared to our tiny slice. We're number three. We're number three. <laughs> or, or or even the Game Pass is a money loser. You know, like right. the, those those things. Yeah. So, so and, that- and, and the Starfield thing specifically is very pointed uh, as if to say, hey, look at our last multi-billion dollar acquisition. Even the best game coming right. out of that acquisition is not going to move the needle for us. Right. What could another one hurt? <laughs> right. Will not drive these other companies out of business. Is I mean, it's if you take it as the, in the most cynical or maybe let's just say maybe pragmatic way, 
uh, uh, of these things, that is a really good point, Brad, of him saying, our last acquisition isn't going to make people just give up a PlayStation, not going to drive you out of business. So that being said, the the thing about them, which is a real thing, losing that Xbox One generation uh, to PlayStation um, and market share, let's say, I mean, the Wii U kind of ate a lot of people's lunch there, too. Or the Wii, not the Wii U. Definitely Um, not the Wii U. Not the Wii U. Um, Is interesting because you could previously to that, in a more physically based gaming environment, take your console and your games, go to a GameStop, get some trade-in value for that, and switch generations. Uh, You cannot do that now. You are sunk cost in on digital games in a way that you never were explicitly i wasn't a big used game sales person but i know a lot of people who were they could go they could take their stack of games they bought that generation um and there was also a bigger we're going back a little bit of ways here rental uh game rental market Mm -hmm. where you didn't own necessarily these things the rental market i think has dried up in favor of of digital buys you have dlc and you have um add-ons for games that are not cross-platform that are only in your marketplace so even if you wanted to switch and you're a huge uh fan of x game on the xbox and you want to switch to playstation if you buy that game you might not get your progress or dlc or any of that other stuff that comes with you that's huge like brad we just talked about redfall right and like you know losing your progress who the hell is going to want to start over after putting hundreds of hours in live service games if you go to another console and don't take that progress with you. So it's, it's a really interesting point to be made that the, it's not necessarily the loyalty to a PlayStation or Xbox brand, but it's the investment you've made in these very specific and kind of walled off ecosystems sometimes that are going to keep you in there. And I think it's, I think he's got a really good point there that you're probably more likely to add an Xbox in than to trade out from that ecosystem so you're right and the thing is the stuff like again I, I i'm very much of the opinion that while i do think phil is generally a pretty straight shooter and is generally pretty honest in a way that you know other gaming ceos tend not to be or at least is open in a way that other gaming ceos tend not to be i do think a lot of this really is just him kind of trying to seed as much as he can the notion that like we are not in a market leader position we we are poor widow microsoft and it's like <laughs> Okay, that's fine. You have to do this. But in a situation like this where he's talking about like Redfall and he's talking about the fact that that game came out and it, you know, in in a very poor state. That doesn't do anything for anyone really other than to just kind of bolster your image as a guy who shoots straight. Like coming in and say, "Hey, this game we just put out is not reviewing well. It's not portray it's not, you know, it's not it wasn't in the state that we wanted it to be in." How long ago was that point that that question Jeff posed to Phil on the E3 couch of what's it going to take for busted games to stop shipping? Yeah, I mean, probably about six or seven studio acquisitions ago. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it has been a while. I mean, I will say even as someone who was recently burned by Redfall, I mean, it is definitely not Master Chief Collection broken. No, mm-hmm. it's not. But it is not in a good shape and the thing is ultimately there are people at the top phil is one of them who makes the decisions to say this game has to come out on this date so at a certain point it's kind of up to him to say this game is shippable get it out there and when it doesn't perform yes it's nice to see him like at least admit to that 
But what does that actually do for anyone? It doesn't do anything for Arcane because it just makes them say like, oh, even the people at the top don't think this game works the way it's supposed to. You know? Yeah, I, 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 I kind of wonder if a game like Redfall is at the tier where it ends up becoming somewhat sacrificial for the bigger games like Starfield getting delayed over and over, like in a world where Starfield actually did ship. I started to say on time, but even last November was not on time. It was just the most recent delay since or before the this one. But right. like if Starfield had come out, maybe this game would not have gotten shoved out when it did because they would already have something big out there that people were still playing. Right. So like, you know, they're, they're trying to keep a release slate up and when they can't seem to ship stuff when they think they're going to, I wonder if other games end up being the victim of that. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I think that, you know, in a case like Redfall, if you, if you really are in a position where you just think, you know, another six month delay isn't going to fix this thing, we have to, we'd have to basically start over from a sequel perspective. If we were going to do anything really meaningful to this, then sure, fine, put it out the door. But, you know, I think that's kind of the thing I would rather he owned up to is saying like, look, we had very specific reasons why this game had to come out at this time. Maybe he doesn't want to share those because they're very specific business reasons that, you know, don't, you know, that aren't comfortable to share in that way. But I just I think when he goes out there and he kind of does this little apology tour thing, it just doesn't do a lot for me because, yeah, that's the whole persona you have kind of crafted for yourself here. And all it really does is just kind of reinforce the belief that the games you are putting out of your first party studios are not up to snuff. I think he did. There was there was there is more to this interview. I, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. So, like, he does go into a little bit of like this was the vision for Redfall and the disappointment with the the mock reviews and and some of those things where maybe just the fun that they thought was there was not there. But I agree with you, Alex. I think there's there there's only so much you can say in terms of like we went wrong. Mm-hmm. We're gonna look at it. You guys, Microsoft is not a small publisher. No. They're huge. They are like my Xbox games might not be the biggest kid on the block, but like Microsoft is gigantic. And I know that doesn't equate. That's not apples to apples, but they, they have a lot of money. They have been buying studios. They have, yeah, they have a lot of people that work for them now that make games. So, and it's also not like they've never been successful. You know, like the Xbox 360 was the biggest console of its generation. It has one of the most celebrated libraries of any console anywhere. Like, yes, they were a little weird out of the gate with that first Xbox, but it was still a fairly successful platform, at least in the U.S. and in Europe. Like, they have done good things and, like, been successful in video games. So I think there's a certain amount of just like, okay, you had a bad generation. You kind of recovered toward the end, not all the way, but you kind of recovered. I don't know how many excuses they can really continue to make at a certain point because you clearly have a talent pool. You clearly know what the problems were with last generation. I just don't think I want to hear more excuses from them about why things aren't working out the way they're supposed to. There's also uh, in this part uh, of the conversation that Phil is talking, the the extracted piece we have here, um, he does go on to say, and this might be steering closer to um kind of supporting their argument on the acquisition side, mm. it, which is they are not, I think, Brad, you mentioned this exact quote before, not going to out-console uh, Sony and right. Nintendo. They are looking to get, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but they want to put developers' works on as many screens as possible, right? They're, they're, they want to, they want their 
I think they said something like, if you're not going in on phones, you're basically a lost cause because like you're, it's like everybody's got a phone. It's yeah. 90% market share. Your eyes are glued phones. to that thing for at least a certain percentage of the day, no matter what. Yeah. And that goes back to reinforcing, or at least it, it, it is, um, it works well with the statements Phil has said before of like, Hey, we're kind of in this for King. Like we, we kind of want mobile development to, for Activision. We want, you know, that's what we're going in for. It's not call of duty. We want to leapfrog more into mobile stuff. Okay, uh, but and, let's and, be real here. This isn't like, you know, oh, Giant Bomb just got thrown in with, you know, that whatever purchase just happened here. Like, oh, we're no. just, at, oh, we just got Activision. Yeah, 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 what, yeah. Oh, we right, have Call yeah. of Duty? What do we do with this? Like, that's not <laughs> what that is. Should we keep that franchise going? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, no, no. But I'm just saying in terms of the, the kind of tone of what Phil is saying here um, is basically we're looking to make outside of the console we're looking to make a broader we've lost that we've lost that battle but the war is going to be uh waged on all of these different screens right we may have lost the set top box here but they are putting tons of eggs in their streaming in their in their other places i mean that's kind of what the uk regulator said too right. is like hey you're going to be a market leader in this place on the streaming side of things that's what we're worried. That's what the UK regulars said. We're worried about that stuff. So we'll see. Like, again, you have to take some of it with a grain of salt because there is active merging going on, litigation happening. Mm -hmm. There is a lot going on here. I'm as much as it seems like, and I like the way Phil presents when he's talking about this stuff, but as much as it comes off as he's talking from the hip. It, I I ref, I can't believe he is no like this. this there is, is a calculation there, a hundred percent. And I again, yeah. I do think he is more you know forward, like like straightforward than a lot of way the way other game executives talk. You know, I don't j doubt his genuineness in terms of like his love of games and his desire to yeah. have Microsoft and, and Xbox be a platform where games can thrive and you know they can do interesting work. It's just that I think that a lot of that shine has just kind of been lost for me in this generation where it feels like despite them making major inroads and making major recovery steps in the la at the end of last generation it still feels like they wandered into this one just wholly unprepared in a way that just doesn't feel justified i i think the statement that uh an 11 out of 10 starfield isn't going to get anybody to basically jump to the xbox playstation uh, sorry yeah, PlayStation. Uh, or Oh, or Xbox. Yeah, no, Xbox, yeah, yeah. I misheard. Yeah, it, it, yeah isn't going to jump to the... I'm going to say this. A 2 out of 10 Starfield isn't going to make anybody want their Xbox anymore. Yeah. Like, putting out a bad game isn't going to help your... Isn't no. going to... It'll damage your brand. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with all of this stuff. It, there's tons more that's going to be said on this. I look at all of this stuff as supporting the acquisition at this point. It's hard not to. Oh, yeah. I assume uh, every single thing he does in public now is in some way meant to reinforce their their desire yeah. to get this deal done. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, just got to take it with some salt. That that deal is going to be in the news for a long time. I'm being critical because I do like Phil. I, this is not a Jim Ryan situation where there just isn't anything for me <laughs> nice for me to say about the guy, you know? Yeah. Fair. Look, if you got to get your corporate speak in there, he does it in a way that is palatable. And, and well, I mean, and, he feels and, like a human being, which yes. is you know more than you can say about a lot of other game executives. And I agree with you, Alex. I, I and we've said this before. I think he genuinely 
loves games or at least comes yeah. across as somebody yeah. who generally yeah. loves this industry and is not just somebody who got in it for the money or yeah, to be totally. in it. Like, I, like obviously is, is everything he does in service of Microsoft's strategic priorities, of course, yes, or he yeah. would not keep his job, but, but I mean, you know, he, he was a programmer. Like he, he worked in the trenches making games before he got to this point, you know, yeah. like you have to, you have to have some enduring love of the medium <laughs> to make it that long. Yeah. And, and we, you know, Brad and Alex, and I have seen people who have slid into higher up positions that are have no love for the thing. They're just business people. And that's, oh, yeah. yes. And, yes. So, yes. and so having somebody in there that at least has come up through it and knows the industry and that's, it's kind of nice to see. Yeah. Uh, switching gears to the PlayStation, the thing, the, kind the, of, the, the, the taboo, the PlayStation VR two, will it work on PC? Um, here, I'm just going to lay this out. Do it. Cause some of these tweets have now been deleted. Oh, really? Oh no. Um, Ivory, the developer who, uh, got the original PlayStation VR working on PCs also has done a bunch of weird adapting oh VR to phones and all kinds of other stuff. Ivory. I didn't even see it yes. this whole time. I was spelled, reading this article. Spelled, spelled I V R Y. Okay. Yeah. I V R Y underscore VR on Twitter is the account. Okay. Uh, this is the person who, again, got the first PSVR up and running on PC and is most likely to do so with the second PSVR. But we've talked before about them saying, Hey, it's going to take years if it ever works at all, which is extremely not a guarantee. Um, they have broken the, the initial encryption on the headset, which I think we talked about last time. Like if you can't do that, there's nothing else is going to happen. Like it's a complete non-starter because the, you can't even get the two devices to talk to each other if they can't authenticate with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a thing that was like, this is either going to happen or it's not. It happened. And they seemed pretty excited about it. And somebody asked them how they did it. I'm not at liberty to discuss that. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea what work took place or what information was exchanged there <laughs> huh. to make this work. Um, but they did post on Twitter that they had gotten through the initial authentication, which is a pretty exciting step toward. But again, well, okay, there are multiple things here. Again, first of all, they immediately went back to saying like, oh my God, this is such a pain in the ass. There yes. are so many other things that aren't working. Fuck this. Yes. The stuff that got deleted that I didn't mention because it keeps changing day by day is like this happened and people were excited. And then this person started saying like, Hey, here's a PayPal link. If you want to support my development efforts, like this oh. is kind of expensive and a lot of work. And then a day or two after that, I went back and looked at their feed and they were like, I'm walking away from this project. Oh, people, people are being extremely shitty about this. Oh man. This is not worth it. I might come back to this later, but for now I'm done. Huh? And I was like, well, that was quick. Okay, uh, never mind. And then I checked again this morning. That was like two days ago. And again, as of this morning, those tweets have been deleted. And <laughs> now they're back to work on it again. Okay, so we're back, kind of back. No PayPal link. No, I'm leaving. And then uh, they, they, they pivoted to saying, hey, if you, if you want to support this, go buy the first version of this that's up on Steam. I see. Like, the, can, you'll, I'll, I'll, I will consider you buying the, the previous product as support of the new product and you'll get a discount on the new one. What if, I, if it comes out, I never, I, I never saw the original one on steam. Is it bundled as not specifically PlayStation VR support on steam? I feel like that would be tough. Is it just basically a driver pack for yeah, ivory driver for steam VR is what it's called on steam. Okay. 
Okay. User iPhone, Android, Gear VR, Oculus Mobile, or Sony PlayStation VR headset okay. for your PC. Yeah, so I'll reiterate um, what you just said there because we, I, I, my hopes were very high and then kind of brought back down to earth reading this start story. It seems extremely hard to get the rest of this working, and yeah. there is. I think this article here uh, even says it's going to be basically a wait to see if these drivers ever come along or if Sony just releases their own drivers for the PC, that's how long this might take to, to kind of come to fruition. So, yeah, I, I, I am guessing that probably will never happen just cause I can't imagine they're making enough. If they're making profit on the headset, I can't yeah. imagine it's enough of a margin to justify development that. costs unless they start porting a bunch of VR games to PC as well, which I don't see happening, but Look, I I think um, I think that PlayStation VR. I don't have a lot of experience with VR, but I think that headset's pretty good. And it's very nice. Yeah, if, I, if, I I would love to play Half Life Alex on it. Yeah, so if you could get support, I mean, maybe those marketplaces are closed down and they don't want that headset on there. But if you can get support to get the headset on those marketplaces, I think it's competitively priced to move for people who want to buy it just for their PC and not even yeah, for their I, PlayStation Five. Yes. Still very yes. expensive, but the specs are, compared, but, 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 but by, by, by PC headset standards for what you're getting, it's super cheap. I mean, yeah. again, not cheap in an absolute sense, but yeah, the specs of it against the price compared to the specs and price of other stuff in that space, it is probably the best deal going or would be. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what those marketplaces look like in terms of, you know, do you have to strike a deal with steam or, with the Oculus store to have official support for your thing on there because those marketplaces also have their official product. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've sold their PC games so far just through steam. So they seem okay, at least for now with doing that. Well, I mean the, I mean the, uh, headset support, uh, like, like does Oculus, Oculus and steam work natively together no, in the no, storefront no, and does no. the steam, does valves headset work natively in the Oculus store? Um, I don't think so. So that's, it's, that's my thing is like the efforts have been much more around getting Oculus games working with steam VR hardware and not the reverse. Okay. I think it's, I think it's much easier to play. I can't remember. Actually, I've lost track. There are all kinds of homebrew projects to get one headset to work with the other's games and so forth. So official support for cross pollinating the VR landscape has not gone over well so far, right? Like there's, there's still well, kind of siloed marketplaces. Valve would be happy with everything being open. I think it's, it's much more Oculus is the one that is very much funding uh, and keeping content exclusive because they're the small, much, much, much smaller fish in that place, driving people um, into their store. Well, well, I mean, they're Facebook, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> that's true i'm day, sorry no. meta, meta please um but um i mean i, I don't know what that business looks like yeah, i don't think fair i enough. don't think the oculus yeah. business is some massive growth driver or anything uh so um, don't, i guess the takeaway is great first steps don't hold your breath for playstation 2 vr support or playstation no, I mean, vr 2 support like I said, even as of like today or yesterday, they, they, they literally said, hey, if you own the previous product, you'll get a discount on the new one if it is ever released. Gotcha. Is what they say. So, But the bigger thing was like they seemed to have abandoned it until right before this podcast and I saw they had picked it back up again. Interesting. Um, but the dream is not dead and some progress has been made. Maybe someday. Uh, speaking of the dream, 
Alex Navarro. We mm-hmm. did our dream casting at some point for Mortal Kombat. Uh, who would when we we did Mortal Kombat movie uh, uh, for the Mortal Kombat movie for uh, the Watchcast. We talked about casting. I think we even may have talked about who would play a Johnny Cage in a modern one. But if now we did. We, I don't remember who we said. So I don't remember who we said either. I but, wish I could remember. There is a martial artist, uh, like a film martial artist, that people were kind of pushing as who should Scott be Johnny Atkins? Cage. I believe that's him. I've yeah. Been, because I looked the guy up and I was like, oh, wow, that guy is kind of the spitting image of what you think Johnny Cage looks like almost. He totally is. Uh, yeah, he's a British actor and martial artist who has yes. done a lot of I mean, he's that mostly done a lot of I'm going to say smaller and direct to streaming martial art movies, but he's like very good in them. Uh, and some of them are actually quite good. Uh, he's in the new John Wick. OK, uh, that must be why people were talking about him. But he, he kind of has that manicured look of a film star that could very much pass for a Johnny Cage. Absolutely. Uh, Alex, the reason we're talking about this is because it sounds like we have someone, at least uh, in final talks, for uh, Johnny Cage. And who might that someone be? What, the one, the only, the one dread there is, Carl Urban. I, I can see it. I don't know, man. I can I see know. it. I think from a personality standpoint, he can totally do it. Carl Urban has way more range than I think people give him credit for. They cast oh, him in no, a lot no. of very gruff roles yeah. but i think he can totally be like a pretty slick guy it's just no, it's, he, he's not what i i picture when i i look at him that that's what it is he's a, he's a fantastic actor don't get me wrong but this makes it seem like they're probably leaning they're going to lean even harder into the like old washed up johnny cage than the most recent games do mm. um i don't know maybe 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 carl orban is going to start lifting heavy <laughs> they usually do for movies like this yeah yeah, but like he's you, pretty you, beefy. That, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um I mean again, like I mean you look at this side by side in this story from the rap I put in here, like the screenshot of like Johnny Cage is graying around the temples in mm-hmm. in MK11, you know, like he is kind of older and not he's very he's very much past his prime is what they've been doing with that character. So maybe that's kind of what they're playing on here and in, in in which case like that probably makes a lot more sense. It, it's weird though cuz like if you asked me who should Carl Urban play in a Mortal Kombat, like it's Kano. Oh boy, yes, you're you're one hundred percent. You know, right? like a thousand yeah. percent. Except that the Kano they already have, like, kind of stole that movie. Yeah, like that actor was probably the best thing in that movie. <laughs> it was like him, and it was uh, the interplay between uh, Sonata and and Joe Taslim for the, yeah. the Sub Zero like Scorpion sure. stuff. Everything else right. was kind of. Uh, but as a just an entertaining actor to watch doing what they're doing, like that, that the Kano they have is great already. Anyway, I don't, whatever, this could be fine. You, you know, I'm looking up Carl Urban when he was McCoy in that Star Trek reboot. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, granted, what, that's 15 years ago at this point? It was so, 2009 mm-hmm. was the first one. Yeah, okay. actually almost, yeah. So, I mean, I, you could see it there. You know, like he's he's very he's yeah. clean cut. You know, he's... Um, you know, he's not the boys, Carl Urban, which is kind of a mess, you know, intentionally a mess of a character with the, with the beard and the hair. Um, you can kind of, you can see it. A yeah. Bit more. Like some of this is definitely probably just watching too much Billy Busher. <laughs> definitely. Or like that, that yes. persona has kind of taken over Carl Urban. Yes. To some degree. <laughs> and like, I, um, I don't remember his, 
when he was McCoy, uh, his American accent being bad or anything. It's, I, it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. No, yeah, yeah. He's, he does a perfectly solid accent. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, it's I, just not who I would have gone to first. Especially because like the whole vibe of that first, when I say first, I mean, it's kind of a reboot. Yeah. The first movie, the first in this new timeline, like all of the characters are kind of their archetypal arcade versions, mm. you know, like everybody is kind of straight out of MK2, MK3. And so that's kind of what you expect out of a Johnny Cage is, is a Johnny Cage in his prime kind of thing. Not the here. multiverse pri- uh, version. It, yeah, but it, it seems like that that might not be the direction they're going to go. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Does this, um, does this movie have a date on it? No, I don't think so. I, don't, I mean, if they were still in the casting stage, they probably haven't even gotten that far along yet. Okay. This is, uh, don't look. Remember, that was a pandemic movie. So I imagine they are, you know, oh, still right. chugging along here. Right. Uh, all right. Brad, you threw this in here. The end of an end of an era. Uh, you threw this some 41 news in and I had no idea who some 41 was until I went. You also thank you for putting in this uh, link to their soundtrack stuff. And I didn't realize it until I got in and I didn't even realize the name of the song was called fat lip. And I realized that song might be the soundtrack to my life <laughs> like wait that, okay that, that song What's going is, on in your life man well i just mean that song is so recognizable for so many games and so long mm-hmm. like i heard that song and i was like immediately pockets of my brain were unfolding in ways that were like oh my god like i think i owe this person money or i should talk to this person like unspools were unraveling in my head of like visions were happening of I was here when this song was playing I lived in this apartment I had this console I mean this fat lip seems to have spanned 25 years of like it was a very popular song Vinny and this whole time I think I thought it was an offspring song so (laughs) wow uh, wow yeah it's because it's because that's how it was named when you downloaded it from (laughs) From Kazaa, right? <laughs> yeah, Just right. It. <laughs> Possibly, yes. Uh, so, Brad, what? Why are we talking about? Oh, I'm, I'm letting Alex take this one. Oh, okay. He's definitely got more to say about this than I do. <laughs> After uh, a career that I'm going to say has somehow managed to span about 25 years, uh, some 41 is calling it quits. Uh, they announced on social media that they are breaking up finally. Uh, and if you're already making the joke. They were still together? Mm. Guess what? Everyone on the internet already beat you to it. Um, <laughs> that said, uh, two things about Sum 41 here. One, finally we get to talk about a band that I actually opened for one time. Okay. Uh, this was before they got popular. This was in like the late 90s. They were playing some bar in Sacramento that I remember we opened for them at, <laughs> and they were very nice guys. That's all I really remember about it. Um, the other thing is that I, if they aren't the winner, and they probably aren't, but... <laughs> They might be one of the most licensed bands in all of video game history. That is 100% the reason that I put this in here is that that's why I went and found that wiki page (laughs) was I was just like, dude, they must have been in every extreme sports and probably regular sports game for like eight or 10 years. I'd say in the years between 2001 and 2010, that was definitely like, oh, you're just in fucking everything. 
so I, I, again, I was not familiar with the, um, you know, providence of these songs now knowing they come from some 41, uh, and not offspring, but boy, they are of a time, huh? I was oh, yeah. watching some the of their videos. Of yeah. Yeah. They are like right there. Spiky, uh, you know, uh, so they must be, are they second wave green day? Kind of like green yeah, day got very big and then sort of. I kind of, I kind of put them as like a post Blink One Eighty Two, and that's not yeah. just because they also have a number in them, but like they had the same kind of more specifically bratty energy that I feel yeah, like for sure. Blink had. Mm. So less punk, more. I mean, it was still punk. Like it was, it was, okay. but it was in that pop punk very squarely. Okay. Yeah, they watching those videos. It was like, oh my god, this part of the this part of the early two thousands. It's just I had I had forgotten about it. Uh huh. It's, it's there. It's documented. There's a soundtrack to it. It's literally kind of amazing, and I'm glad we're pretty much past it. If I uh, if I may name some of the video games in which they appeared, and I'm going to name the non Guitar Hero Rock Band ones because, well, duh, on that <laughs> front. Uh, ESPN X Games Skateboarding, Dave Mira Freestyle BMX2, NHL 2002, Splashdown, Trans World Surf, MX 2002 featuring Ricky Carmichael, MVV Baseball 2003, Trans World Surf Next Wave, Summer Heat Beach Volleyball, NASCAR Thunder 2004, (laughs) Backyard Wrestling, Test Drive Eve of Destruction, NFL Street 2, Obscure, Full Auto 2 Battle Lines, Madden NFL 08, NBA 08, SingStar Pop Volume, it just keeps going. (laughs) Man. Uh, right, and then of course you get into the Guitar Heroes rock band, Rocksmith. Yes. Um, wow, they were in Writers Republic. Yes. Remember that I last do. year? They're in Trials uh, Rising. Trials Rising. Yeah. So I don't know. Happy Trails really... to yeah. Derek and the gang. I hope it's, you all. Uh, it's a hell get... of a run. Yeah, I. I, I looked up a picture of what Derek Wibley looks like now, and I was not prepared to see him plus 20 years. <laughs> we never are. No. I I hope your royalty checks are enough that you don't have to immediately reform as soon as you stop playing together. Not 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 saying he looks bad, but more just being reminded of the march of time is what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know? Just seeing people who in your mind are perpetually 19 be like in their 40s. I was like, ah, no. Right. Like, this is me. It's like, the right, this whole thing of like, you will fo- forever be this kid with spiky hair running around doing cartwheels. Not yes, like. Not a 40 year old with spiky hair. <laughs> I, I do feel like pop punk is one of those genres where the dudes who age into that era of, of you know, still touring 20, 30 years after their heyday it really has a hard time playing well because it's just, there's something about that genre in particular that is so teenage that I just something about a 45 year old guy singing songs still, you know, like, like kind of sneering punk songs about how a girl doesn't like them. It just really, it just, it doesn't come off right. Yeah. Look, that's the, that's, you get up there and you do it. They're professionals. God, you damn do it. it until they stop paying you to do it. Mm-hmm. I was watching their uh, some of their music and I can't remember what song it was, but they had this intro bit on one of them, which I actually found pretty funny. Where they are in uh, uh, like a music producer's office and the their the producer is telling them, uh, you know, like, hey, you got to change your name to the sum and drop 
uh, all all the name all the numbers are done now. Blink one eighty two is done. Like we're all post post that. And it was it was a pretty good bit. It was a pretty funny bit. Maybe they're a funny band. I don't really know them that well. Eh, uh, they had a sense of humor. <laughs> they definitely okay. had a sense of humor. I will say that they were did not take themselves that seriously. Popular. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean that that song like Fat Lip. I as soon as I played it in that like it was like oh my gosh this is the song yeah uh, you know, so here's the thing is that you know especially with canadian bands you kind of have to di- differentiate between popular and canadian popular they were popular <laughs> okay okay they weren't just winning juno awards like they okay. they 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 broke pretty big um i don't i did not realize they were uh canadian pop punk uh derek was married to or at avril least was levine. in a long-term relationship with avril levine yeah okay. they were married it's the most the most good idiot you could be yeah well that, you... it, that is until she got with the nickelback guy that's that's the that's the canadian power couple right there nickelback huh yeah boy um i'd love to hear your some 41 stories you could send them in to uh the the emails at uh hold on i've almost said emails at nextlander is podcast at nextlander.com mm-hmm. podcast at nextlander.com what's your some 41 uh, uh story from 20 odd years ago uh i'm sure somebody listening out there has one if you have one from five years ago you know what we might want to yeah. hear that too or to yesterday i don't know yeah. maybe they're still they're still doing a tour and a half oh they're finishing before up. they break yeah. up okay they're going to finish this tour and then put out their final album and then didn't do another tour in support of that and then break up. Good on them. At least they have a plan. Send it to podcast at nextlander.com. We are not going to do emails this week. We are running this week uh, on, on games here. A lot of games to talk about. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff going up. Quote, unquote, I'm going to say it. I'll say it. On the site. <laughs> we got a bunch of stuff you can check out. We are uh, moving uh, furiously through Sons of the Forest. I think we have one more stream. I know we keep saying that, but I think I think for this time for realsies. For realsies, uh, one more stream. We seem geared up. We seem in the right position to go. You can check out where we are. We stream that on Monday. Uh, we got the Watchcast with Trespass up on the Patreon. You can check that out. We're going to be recording in Judgment Night this week so you can hear that next week over on the patreon uh last week we put up on friday never been a better podcast with austin abby bacalar and reichert all there joining us a lot of talk about teeth it's teeth pooping you know your normal never been a better podcast stuff uh, we got a grab bag coming up. Maybe we'll get into some of that. Uh, sorry, Brad, refresh my memory. Touch type tail, strategic typing on the grab bag. And then Friday, we have a fun stream, but I'm pretty sure we're going to jump into some Zelda. Uh, we're going to uh, do some Zelda on Friday. That's when the game releases. That's when we're going to all be playing it. So come join us on Friday to check out some of that early from the start Zelda stuff. Uh, you can go over to patreon.com slash nextlander to find those things like the watchcast, ramblecast, never been a better podcast. Find a tier that's right for you. Jump in there and start downloading all the uh, all the other episodes. Like I said, we're at episode 100-ish here. Plenty of other episodes. Back catalog over on the Patreon. You can find it. The other thing you can find over on the Patreon is the Mysterious Benefactor tier. Ooh, you that put a little sh- warble on that. Yeah, Benefactor tier, which gets you a shout-out on this here 
podcast. Alex Navarro, would you do the honors of reading off our mysterious benefactors for this week? I guess I can do that. Our mysterious benefactors for this week are RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Park, Kelly F., James Smith, Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Gary Pejsky, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Hashtag Bunny Crimes, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Razgriz2, Brian Murphy, Trevor and Adrian R., Randy Duax, Andrew Tiebkin, Alex Wu, It Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, Tyler Treese, and those are mysterious benefactors. Your cadence there threw me off. I was, yeah, uh, I was trying to try, <laughs> try to trip you up. <laughs> I was ready. I was prepared. Thanks, everybody, uh, for supporting us over on the Patreon. Thanks for our mysterious benefactors and everyone who has gone over there. Thanks, everybody, who has watched, listened, sent the good vibes, uh, and participated over on our Discord. A lot of fun over there. Again, uh, you can check out patreon.com slash nextlander for all of that information and the fun stuff. Uh, like we said, Zelda's coming out. I'm glad I got Jedi Survivor uh, kind of off the plate for now. feel like I cleaned up a little bit to go head into Zelda. I'm very excited for that game. Um, I'm Expectations are not too high, or, you know, I think they're right where they need to be. They, they see, I, look, we all know what Breath of the Wild was, you know, I think now that we've seen kind of what they're doing with this one, I think we kind of know what we're getting ourselves into here, but I think they, that could be good. They talked about dungeons. Yeah. Dungeons. In they a Zelda them. game? Get out of here. On a, I started to say an Iwata asks, which... They don't do those anymore. R.I.P. doesn't exist anymore, but it was something in that vein. I forget what it's called now. One of those Nintendo Talks kind of updates. Like, they straight up said, hey, there are dungeons in this game. Did you guys watch uh, that commercial? I no. did, with the guy on the bus. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked it. Yeah. That was, it's, that was all right. It's, sad, little sad guy on the bus. I, it's a little, it's a little tugging at the heartstrings in a very cynical way, but I'm not immune to that shit. I'll be honest, though. I will say the remix someone did with Mad World is maybe a little too perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, for those who don't know, it's basically a just kind of like dreary shot of a guy. I assume he's going on his commute to work uh, with a bunch of other people on a commute, and then f- finds some tears of the kingdom in his life at home. And I don't know, like he finds his escape hatch in in a in a Nintendo Switch, and there's how color do you think that guy's and, marriage is going? Because uh, he doesn't seem unhappy. He just seemed yeah. like it's it's in the routine, you know, it's in the routine. Hey, this guy loved. Somebody told him, uh, "Look, did you like Zelda? I played some Zelda when I was a kid, and like, oh, you should get a Switch, and like, I'll try it, you know. He's out there." Oh, I don't know. It's a, weird, it's a weird commercial. It's weird, but I look. It's weird in a way that I at least appreciate. It's not just twenty somethings huddled around a table going Zelda. Yes, yes. It's not a rooftop party with yeah. people playing Zelda and like dancing. So uh, I'm into it. All right. I'll find out more about Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom next week. I'm sure we'll have plenty to say. Or and you can our stream uh, on ca- Friday, and then you can catch us on Friday. Thank you, Brad Shoemaker. Thank you, Alex Navarro. We'll be back next week. 
See ya.